policy wonk, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I like it when I hit the record button and everybody stops Everybody talking. gets stupid <laughs> quiet. I'm bringing yeah. up my notes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have some of those, too. I was just trying to, like, remember who the artists were on some of these and shit like that. Yeah. See, I always have. I never. That's a problem I don't have. It's interesting. <laughs> well, you you are an artist. I have I have trouble. I, I can usually remember uh, writers on runs that I really like, but maybe not as much... Uh, uh, artists all the time. Plus, like a lot of the time, the artists change pretty regularly. So, yeah. like, there might yeah. be a really solid run where the writer stays the same, but the uh, artist changes a few times. Well, yeah. we'll talk about that when we get to the into the episode. Why don't we actually introduce what's going on here? So, I guess we could do that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome, everybody. This is Dance Robot Dance. We are doing episode thirty-seven this week. Um, Christy has absconded and will be doing a improv show in about an hour from when we're recording this on Friday night. Ooh, um, so light, Christy. Yeah, hopefully she has a good show. Um, so because of that, we've we've invited a third, a new geek, or I guess whatever, dance robot dance person who you already heard if you listen to our bonus episode. A Lando, week. as Geeks with Kids would call it. We're not doing that shit. We're not doing that shit. <laughs> we're not doing that shit. Uh... Paul's back, everybody. Hello. Hello, Paul's everybody. had three cups of coffee and literally can't sit still <laughs> based on his webcam image right now. <laughs> um, so this should be an interesting sit. It um, looks kind of blurry, but I think he might just be vibrating. I think he's like flash vibrating right now. Yeah. It's like the uh, reverse flash. In <laughs> yeah. Like doing I'm, one of those. I'm going between yeah, dimensions see. right now. So like. Nice. Um, Hopefully the other dimension's better. Yeah, <laughs> the the not darkest timeline. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> did you, Tim? Are you caught up to Legends of, of Legends of Tomorrow? Actually, speaking, of uh, if there was an episode this week, I haven't watched it yet. But the last one I watched, I think, was last week's, which had J.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, the World War One stuff. Yeah. Different. Uh, this week's episode was amazing, but there is a. Uh, I don't know how to describe it without spoiling it, so I'll just wait till you watch it and then <laughs> you'll let a, me know. It's been a pretty strong season over, overall. I've been enjoying. Oh, it. they're they're fucking killing it on those. Yeah. Those four shows have all been like. I've, honestly, I think Flash might be the weakest of the bunch this year. Oddly mm, enough, I still prefer Flash to uh, to Arrow. Really, um, Flash has been dragging a little bit, which is pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I think I still prefer it have been preferring it to arrow i probably do too i just feel like after the dregs of season four of arrow yeah i'm so happy with how good the show is this year that i'm just like this feels really nice and when flash drags i'm like this is comparing unfavorably to yeah like how good arrow has been and then yeah it's it's not flash's best season and it's a better than average season for arrow so they're they're both coming closer to each other but the 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 flashbacks with arrow are still killing me like that russian mob shit even though they got fucking dolph lundgren which is amazing actually i've enjoyed this year's flashbacks are way better than last year's flashbacks they are but that's not Again, that's damning by faint praise at best. Again, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which the is dance, what we do. The dance robot here. dance model. I'm gonna have to redo the logo and fucking include that <laughs> somehow. The dance robot dance, damning by faint <laughs> praise since 2016. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, I've been enjoying all four shows now. So like, it wasn't like last year was like getting through Legends and Arrow was a slog last year sometimes. Whereas this year, I'm like, I don't even know which one I want to watch first. I just end up watching them in like release order because I'm just like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. and I'm current. I'm currently torrenting uh, all four shows because I'm the only one I have followed even a little bit is Supergirl. Um, of course, it's been really strong one. too. Yeah. yeah, Terry I, Terry Hatcher. This uh, the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> Actually, this past week was um, Kevin Smith. The was his second episode of Supergirl. This past week aired. Oh, um, nice! Off. Yeah, I, I've been really good. I've been out of town for a couple of days, so I'm, I'm behind. But I'll have to cool. download this. Yeah, it was really good. I know. I just watched like a big chunk of them. I had last week's and this week's kind of on the thing. I haven't watched Arrow yet, so I'm gonna do that tonight. I got that mm. Supernatural to watch from this week, but yeah. nice. It's pretty good. Starting Arrow again has been a little bit tough since I tried to watch Iron Fist and they basically have the same beginnings <laughs> of like, yeah. and they're both not great, but Arrow is better. Um, it's just, I honestly, the first two seasons of Arrow, I think are really good. It's season three where it starts to get a little too weird. I, I just got to the Deathstroke episode, which I know is only episode three, but like that finally, it was like, oh, now I'm finally interested in the character because the first two episodes, the origin story, I was just, yeah. I just couldn't focus on it. It was so, especially since I had just tried to sit through uh, Danny's origin story in the Iron Fist uh, Netflix <laughs> series. And, Did you finish oh, it? No, no, I can't. I can't. I've tried. The, it I've gets got, better. I, it I does got, get better. Okay, that's again damning by faint praise because there, I just have better shit to watch right now. Like hmm. there's so much uh, stuff that I can catch up on, like the DC TV stuff. Um, I've been watching some Korean dramas that I'm catching up on and stuff like that. So um, Iron Fist has surprisingly fallen to the bottom of my priority list because um, with the other three series I watched right away. Like I. Even Luke Cage, when it started to slow down in the second half, I still pushed through and watched the whole thing. I think the second half of Iron Fist is better than the second half of Luke Cage. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. okay. That It's never as good as Luke Cage's first half, though. So, yeah. like, it's one of those, like, I would yeah. give it a solid, like, B, B minus, probably, overall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will get to it eventually. It's just like, oh, it's hard watching Finn Jones. He's not good. He was. Yeah, he's he's not their best casting decision. Yeah, no, that was definitely not the best casting decision. So, yeah. and I really liked him in Game of Thrones, but but like, I really, I really like. Um, oh man, I don't know the actress's name, but Colleen Wing is. Yeah, was probably my like the highlight of the show for me. So, mm-hmm. she was really good. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, hopefully, when they don't do um, Luke Cage and Iron Fist season two, and they just do Heroes for Hire, it's like Luke Cage, Danny Rand, Misty Knight, and Colleen Wing just doing Heroes for Hire, and like have that be the like that can be the third show, and if they wanted to stay with four and have Daredevil, Jessica Jones, yeah, which can tie into Heroes for Hire because of the Luke Cage thing anyway, yeah, and then have uh, Punisher. As like that extra show, right? Yeah. yeah. So they because so you know have, Punisher. Like if they fuck up Punisher, I'm gonna be really upset after how good he was in Daredevil. So yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is, I think he's hard to write on his own sort of thing. Like he's hard to write in a way that really makes you empathize with him. You know, and yeah. and so and I think that's been the problem with well, that's been one of the problems with all the movies. The other problem yeah. is just that they fucking like botch them hardcore and. Yeah. 
wrote them. Yeah. He has, he has, I, I have similar feelings and it's, it's for different reasons, but like, I always feel like, like Superman and Punisher are similar characters in my head sometimes where like they work awesome in theory or as a concept or a supporting character. But as soon as you try and write like an ongoing series, that's where you start running into hiccups about yeah. both, both of them have some really, really, uh, appealing pitfalls. You know, yeah. Things that you could really easily just fall into, uh, you know, if you're writing yeah. them, kind of thing, and that has happened both times or a lot with Superman for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about like Punisher as a supporting character. Those are my favorite arcs of his, basically with Spider-Man, with Daredevil, um, and even with Archie. When the Archie Punisher run was actually, <laughs> actually we can't, good. we can't go, we can't go, we can't go too deep into Punisher's supporting Daredevil in the comics because that is one of part of one of the runs that I want to talk about later. Right there. <laughs> Um, so why don't we get into the news? Um, there was a shit ton of trailers this week. Yeah. Did, are you guys all caught up on trailer stuff this week? Uh, I think so. I've watched the ones that I want to watch. I mean, I, I, okay. I don't watch a lot of like second trailers and stuff like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. I won't even watch first trailers if I know it's something I'm going to see anyways. But even, even when you do a weekly podcast where we talk about this stuff, Tim? Uh, well, <laughs> here, if you, if there's one that I haven't seen, you guys really want me to see, I'll do, you know, a Christy. We'll, uh, we'll do a Christy reacts. Yeah. Chris, a Christy reacts with Tim. Featuring right. Tim. Um, <laughs> the three that the three that I wanted to talk about: uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming two, like a uh, trailer two, I should say. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll watch that one. I haven't watched. Okay. It. You've seen the Justice League trailer, so we Fuck can talk yeah, about yeah. that. And then uh, it actually the trailer that hit oh, yesterday. Yeah. Did you watch that? I haven't yet. No. I. Oh, okay. I've let's seen do, all let's three do trailers. Tim, let's do Tim reacts to uh, yeah. Spider-Man and it then okay, right yeah. now. All right, Spider-Man: Homecoming trailer. It's trailer oh, that's two. That's a fucking so. ad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the one that was published in December, so the wrong one. Good start. Yeah. Good start here. Spider- doing well. Doing well. We're doing awesome. <laughs> Riveting fucking Home podcasting. Coming trailer two. Oh, that'll probably be the one I want now that yeah. I just watched that ad. All right. I did hear. Oh, good. Same ad playing again. Uh, I did hear that there was something about drones or something in it. Either, little yes, little spider of. drones or something. Yep. Come on. Come on, Ad. It is a Star Trek suit, technically, so... Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. All right, here it comes. Oh, that's interesting how the suit, like, sucks onto him like that. That's fun. Wasn't that, that was in the original trailer, wasn't it? Uh, I don't think so. Pretty sure that was in there. Because he takes it off in the original trailer when his buddy catches him. And oh, yeah, him. maybe. And it falls off of him. All right, a lot of this. Can you summon an army of spiders? <laughs> <laughs> who's the, who's his friend? Is that supposed to be uh, Flash Ned. Thompson? No, it's no he Ned. says he says he says a Ned. He says okay. Ned. So I don't like Ned Leeds. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Ned Leeds. Okay. Oh, there's there's the uh, the spine of DragonCon, which is the Marriott, that hotel that the vultures flying down in. That's one of the hotels that uh, DragonCon takes place in. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh shit. That uh, that little webbing bomb that he shoots is interesting. Yeah. Okay, this I've already seen him trying to hold the fucking boat together. Yeah, there's an addition oh, to that, though. And there's... Oh, there's Tony. Yeah, Tony's there. Oh, I wanted you to be better. 
Okay. Because you're a poor, so you understand people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting words in Tony's mouth, Paul. Yeah, I don't know. I, how I, I, know. I know. Wait, who the hell is that black dude that just beat Peter through a bus? Shocker. Oh, right. I forgot Shocker was supposed to be in this, too. Yeah, they're finally doing Shocker in yeah. the Spider-Man movie. I'm so excited for like the ultimate D-list fucking villain oh, to show up in a Spider-Man little, movie. Little spider drone. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Holland was such a good fucking casting decision. Oh, yeah. He's they they pretty much killed the casting on this movie. Like I'm so excited I like still... with everybody they've got. Mar- and Hottie still doesn't work for you. Yeah, eh? Marissa Tomei still just uh feels weird <laughs> for me, but She's oh. such a good actress, though. Like she she's is. an amazing actress. Yeah. So she is. She's the, just too too young. Am too I, hot. Yeah, that too hot. <laughs> too. Oh yeah. We talked about. Yeah. We talked about this before, though. Like <laughs> at this point, we are technically closer in age, probably to Aunt May, than we are to Spider Man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But at least you and I. I don't know about Paul, but like you and I, definitely are. Yeah, I mean, they, that definitely looks better than Amazing Spider Man Two. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Again, damn me by feet praise. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love that the one. I think they only have one shot of Marissa Tomei in the tr- second trailer, and she's in profile with her like her very mom jeans, giant, mom, yeah, her and, giant boobs protruding. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, too. Exactly. I was like, this is like okay, yeah, Aunt Hottie. <laughs> They're really she is. She's that. totally Aunt Hottie. She's smoking hot. Peter's having yeah. like weird, strange feelings. Awake, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, because like, is it? I, no, Aunt May is it's this is Aunt. Yeah, yeah, but is it Ben was by marriage? I'm just trying to I'm trying to remember which one is. Uh, oh yeah, who's related to the Parkers? Oh yeah, yeah. The, the it's um oh shit, who's the I can't remember the mom's name. Well, she's May Parker, right? So she would be related then to Ben Parker to yeah. his dad, not not Peter's mom. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was his mom. I that wouldn't make sense I, unless there's something weird and you're right. Who you know? You're in right. In terms of who took whose name, but you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> um, all right, so now I'll watch the it trailer. See it? I I don't have like as I mean I've watched it once or twice a long time ago, and I mean I yeah. With this, I'm gonna yeah, have. Yeah, but a, you're the you're the horror guy. Right? I am. I'm gonna have a lot of trouble accepting anybody besides uh, Tim, Curry. Tim Curry as Pennywise. That fucking thing does not hold up, though. That miniseries is pretty goddamn bad. Yeah, yeah but I mean, even even though, like, Tim Curry as Pennywise is still amazing, regardless of how that's that true. series that's, is aged. Yeah. That's fair. Oh, don't look in the sewer, kid. I hope the stupid kid fucking runs into the, uh, whatever it is, like that, uh, what do you call that? I don't even know, but he runs, like, headfirst into that bar. <laughs> fucking idiot, kid. <laughs> Oh, made me laugh. Yeah, I was so, like chuckling. I mean, it's like my favorite, my favorite subreddit is uh, children falling or kids falling or something <laughs> like that. It's just like little gifts of kids like doing stupid things and then like falling off a bed or like falling down the stairs and stuff like that. I'm like, this is amazing. This is my favorite subreddit. Yeah, this feels like it's playing a lot off of. Well, I, I mean, it's it's kind of Ouroborosy in that like it feels like it's playing a lot off Stranger Things, which was in turn playing off of yeah. Stephen King. So, like, it doesn't. This doesn't feel like a remake that really needed to happen. I, I'm not. I don't know. 
I think they never. Well, they never necessarily even made a movie. Yeah. Of that so like, it was a TV miniseries, and then like I would have been happier with this as a Netflix limited series. But then why would Netflix want to make it when they have Stranger Things, which they can literally do anything they want? Yeah. And there is um, a thing about yeah, because there's no, there's a new like Stephen King show in development because uh, Mark Bernardin I think is working on it. He was just talking about it on Fat Man on Batman this week. Yeah, um, where he's going to be, he's writing like a Castle Rock kind of sh- universe show where like a lot of the Stephen yes. King stuff's going to kind of tie in. Yeah, I heard something about that. That that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that it trailer. Yeah. Eh, it doesn't do as much for me as the Spider Man one does. I mean the. I probably, I mean, I will definitely end up seeing it, whether and whether I bother to see it in theaters or not. I won't see it in theaters. I just thought it was like I thought the trailer was well cut. I was like, that's pretty. They did a pretty decent job of making me actually want to see a movie that I barely care yeah. about at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely does play off that '80s horror vibe, which is kind of on in vogue right now with the the strange yeah. all the Stranger Things phenomenon. So, and I'm totally okay with that because those are some of the best. You know, that's one of the best eras for horror movies. Absolutely. Maybe sure, maybe yeah. the best year. So we didn't actually like. Did we actually talk in depth about Justice League on the on the bonus episode? Not really, eh? No, not really. What did you? Uh, what did? What was your take? You like? You, you enjoyed the trailer, right? I did. Yeah. I mean, there are some um, some really good moments in it, both action moments and character moments. I thought like there were some that uh, uh, like the moments like in between uh, Bruce and Aquaman or Bruce and Flash and stuff like that that I think are looking pretty good. Um, the parademons and stuff like that are looking pretty good. There's definitely still some masturbatory Snyder shit on top of it, but I feel like mm-hmm. I, I feel like this movie will probably lend itself more to that than uh, Batman v Superman did. Yeah. So I, I think that it's it's somewhat it's a little bit more appropriate to have that sort of stuff there. So yeah, I mean, I'm, it's not like I wasn't going to see it before I saw that trailer. Yeah. But <laughs> well, that's the problem with all like any of us saying anything about this is that we're all in the fucking bag for this shit anyway. Yeah. Like we're going to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but but so. I won't necessarily give my money to it because I didn't pay to see Batman versus Superman. I like I just Zack Snyder's name on something has the opposite effect on me that it does for a lot of the DC fanboys. They're like, yeah, more Zack Snyder movies. And I'm like, no, stop him before it's too late. Uh, I'm more or less like, I can't remember. He did that Dawn of the Dead remake that I liked. Yeah, yeah and he did 300, but yeah. he's also done uh, that. It's just not a great story, though. Like, I don't uh, really, like, it was a fun movie, but, like, I didn't think it was, like, amazing or anything like that. But the visual style on that one definitely lended itself really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That. Like, it, yeah. in terms of style and direction, it was really well done, regardless of, you know, how compelling the story was. Yeah. Yeah, and that's Frank Miller's fault more than it's his fault. Yeah. Like, it's very directly, like... And this is the problem I have with Zack Snyder is that he does these really uh, close adaptations to the comic books with 300 and Watchmen. Um, and even Batman versus Superman was like not that far off from The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. And he it, it doesn't translate well to movies. And then he's got his like weird, like super right wing xenophobic bullshit going on at the same time. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. I I would have liked that Watchmen adaptation a lot more if it was less close to the comic book. Yeah. Oddly enough, I just oh, he's so not talented. <laughs> I think I think he's a really talented visual stylist. I think he like knows how to make a picture look good on a screen. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that as a storyteller Story. he is. Yeah. 
the greatest director you know what i mean like yeah. i think he's i think he'd be an amazing dp for somebody who was a like get him to do dp work for kevin smith you know what i mean get somebody like because yeah. he knows how to put the visual on top of like somebody who's really good at like character and dialogue yeah, yeah. let them work together like Put those two guys and make them do Flash movie. Like, have them do that movie. Yeah. Just don't let them pick the color filters anymore. <laughs> well, super desaturated everything. Yeah, super desaturated. Yeah, that's my that's my one problem with like the Justice League trailers. Like, everything still has that like murky blue feel to it. I'm just like, I'm kind of over that, and especially with in contrast to that Homecoming trailer, where usually Marvel tends to do the desat thing too. Like, they bleach a little bit. Yeah. Um, overall, but like that movie looks really, really colorful in comparison, or like at least that trailer looks way more colorful than anything else they've done so yeah. far. And that so. was my hope for the Wonder Woman movie too, with so. the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is extremely bright and vibrant, like color wise. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And that new, the new one looks just like similarly like crazy bright. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, I mean, I, I think well, we've talked about this before too. Like, if they were to depart too rapidly from that style like they they can do it in you know sort of steps they can't do it in leaps and bounds or it will stop feeling cohesive which for some people might be good but i think for the majority of their sort of bread and butter would be like no this is way too much of a tonal shift you needed to do this more gradually agreed yeah i agree i just like i'm hoping that flash can be like that i I think i said it on the bonus episode like flash can be that kind of like big step away like let that be the bright shiny one like i don't mind batman being like batman should be bleak and dark that's the way it should be but like by the time they get around to another justice league or superman or like get to the flash kind of thing i would like them to have some color in the palette of the movie because yeah superman as a washed out bleached like visual does not work for me at all and the flash similarly should be yeah like the show's very colorful yeah you know what i mean so like why not let that kind of translate that's the weird thing because the dc tv shows are all super bright and like very brightly lit and very vibrant color you know what i mean so no except for arrow except for arrow (laughs) except for arrow but that's the batman of that universe right like that's that's the one that should be dark and even then it's more colorful than like any of the Zack snyder things like yeah well, and they're starting. I think the Wonder Woman is the start of that because the flashbacks or like her origin story seems to be really brightly lit in the trailers. Uh, and then when we get to the war stuff and the like, the current danger seems to get a lot darker. And well, current danger in that it's yeah. like a century and four years ago or something like that. Yeah, know, so. but regardless, I, I'm I'm excited for that break from the Zack Snyder style because I want I want to like the DCEU like in theory it should appeal to me but it's just like I every single movie has disappointed me so far uh, so uh, I I'm hoping that Wonder Woman is a start of a trend towards something that I can actually sit and enjoy for three hours because they're all three hours long <laughs> Two and a half, something like that. Yeah. Two yeah. and a half. Yeah. Probably yeah. two and a half. Yeah. All right. Um, what else did I write down? Oh, okay. Uh, they're rebooting the Matrix. Thoughts? <sighs> they why why not just more Animatrix? Like uh, this is my thing is that the the Matrix world is a really fascinating world, and they prove that with the Animatrix. Like if they did, um, like, come on, let's not jump down. Let's not jump on the dick of the cartoon. They prove that in the first fucking movie. Yeah. Well, okay. Like, yeah. 
I but as, as far as extended storytelling and yeah. projecting after the fact, like absolutely, the Matrix, the first movie, is number one. It's still one of my favorite yeah, sci-fi movies. Period. I adore it. But like, if we wanted to extrapolate that universe, like the fucking Reloaded and Revolutions was not the way to go. Um, and Matrix had way better ideas and yeah. kind of uh, that. Uh, I don't know, Twilight Zone feel of this is all the weird things that can go wrong within the Matrix universe. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, like I, lo- I gotta watch. I haven't watched that. I probably still have my DVD of that somewhere, but I haven't watched it since like a long time. I haven't actually watched um, the Matrix in a long time. I think the last time I watched it, you and I watched it together at my old house. There, I mean, yeah. I, I'm one of the people that like the the second and third Matrix movies as well. I mean, not as much as the first one, but over like the first one is damn near a perfect science fiction movie to me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like it, it just it ha- uh, created an amazing world and it really sucked you in. And I think that any sort of remake is going to have a really hard time living up to that. That being said. If they do sort of their own take, I mean, like, the internet and the online world has changed enough in those 15 or so years that there's definitely room for them to grow that idea to more reflect current online culture. It's almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, It was 1999. Yeah, yeah, like 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, like, we were graduating high school that year. So I I think a reboot is okay. A remake is a bad idea. I think they were talking, uh, like, what I saw more or less was, like, quasi-sequel, like, semi-removed sequel, or, like, new cycle sequel kind of thing. Like I'd be cool with that. Because they mentioned in the movie that, like, this has happened before, yeah. and it'll ha- like, very Battlestar Galactica, like, this has happened before, it'll happen again. Or even a prequel. So they're talking. That was the other rumor, because they're talking to Michael B. Jordan uh, to star in it, and everybody's like, oh, they're going to do, the, like, the Morpheus, Morpheus origin story yeah. or something like that? I'm like, there you go. Yeah. That, that works for me. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be super cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah. And like, I'm, oh, you know what? I'm my my Google thing like just dinged, and Batman on Batman just posted, and it's about the Matrix reboot. So they're probably saying exactly the same stuff as we <laughs> are right now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I I um I would if they don't just remake the Matrix and they like just extend the universe out. I think this is a really cool idea because it is a very interesting world and it's definitely morphed over time uh, since, yeah, as Tim said, the internet is a very different beast than it was, you know, almost 20 years ago. Um, and there's so many, I, there's so many storytelling opportunities within that universe um, that uh, some of the better vignettes on Animatrix kind of touched on yeah they could make a series out of this no problem like so not all of the vignettes in animatrix were good good some, but yeah. some of them were amazing like the second yeah. renaissance yeah. and things like that so uh more matrix i'm down i'm in if they if they do it right and like it's like well made and stuff like that and somebody edits the script before they get shot because that's kind of what i feel like didn't happen with matrix two and three mm-hmm. so yeah, but I mean, I, at one point there was a Matrix TV series, I think that was supposed to be in development, but uh, it never ended up happening. I think the movies kind of killed it, like yeah. they just, like the interest w- waned so much that they were like, "Nah, fuck it, like let's let it go." Yeah, that'd be an expensive show to make too, like if they did it right. Well, I mean, it depends, right? Like if you do it a lot in the Matrix and not as much, you know, sort of the sci-fi trying to get out of it kind of thing, then. Um, then you know you're just you're just filming on normal locations. Yeah, but even then, like all that wire work and the effects work. I mean, it's yeah. probably cheaper now than it would be then. But like, 
yeah. fuck, man, like, those are pretty intense. Like, well, but you could make it like more cerebral, right? Like you don't need to make it like as much of the fucking like crazy kung fu and stuff like that. You could, you know, of, of the resistance, you could make it more like the you know normal people's lives in the Matrix or something like that. Yeah, true. My my worry would that be it, it would be. Uh, just like them on their ships in the actual real world outside of the Matrix, yeah. stuck in a room kind of thing, like like a Star Trek show, kind like of. Like a bottle of the bridge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there'd be just be a lot of that, yeah. and they're like running away from the the those drones that like the squid trying to eat their ship. The yeah, squids, the squids. Yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that they are doing it now that you know TV has caught up to movies a lot in terms of yeah. visual effects. So. Yeah, but whatever. Um... I had two more things. Okay, so they've announced the new the, the new Doctor Who companion. Yeah. And they've announced that the character will be gay. Yay. Finally. N- not Wait. only Finally. Now, see this is the thing. They're discounting the fact that both River Song and uh, Captain Jack are blatantly omnisexual. <laughs> yeah. But but this is I'm saying finally because for once, we'll have a companion who won't be making fucking doe eyes at the doctor. And that, that also, yeah. That's, that's what nice. makes me happy. Like, of a female character, unless they do, like, um, like sexu- sexuality is fluid and she can love the doctor, too. Duh, duh, duh. No. Um, <laughs> like, a, les- a lesbian companion is a Wait. great choice. Or until, until until Capaldi leaves and they cast Haley Atwell and then your lesbian companion immediately is just like <laughs> smitten yeah. along with the rest of us who've seen Haley Atwell. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, even me with Haley Atwell, holy god, I love Peggy. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that the, red dress, man. It, it's the nice thing. It's a nice thing too to have, rather than like this well-traveled, like through space and time character, be the you know non-cisgendered one on the show, like River Song or uh, Captain Jack. Like just having a fucking human from Earth be the yeah. you know be the representation on the show. So yeah, I'm down for it. Um, that being said, I I, I don't think that. Uh, fuck. Who's the was the name of the last companion that died? Clara. Cla- Cla- yeah, Clara, Clara Oswin Oswald. Yeah, she, she. I don't think she. I mean, she definitely had doe eyes for Matt Smith, but I don't think she did for uh, Capaldi. No, I think that. It, so that was um, nice having that break. Yeah, I that, actually Clara. that was that's one of my favorite parts of this that that pat this the past is it two seasons they've done with her? Yeah, yeah. two seasons. Um, where she's not making doe eyes at Capaldi and I'm just like this is such a break after literally every like even um the one I hate Amy Donna. Smith, Amy. oh <laughs> I love Donna uh, I love yeah, Donna I, just, I can't it's too shrill I can't do it <laughs> I love Catherine Tate so much she's so funny yeah she's pretty funny in spots but I'm just like I don't I don't like the character very much um well she wasn't supposed to be the most likable character and that was what I liked no. it was it was again it was a departure from the companion that was you know young and uh female and all up the doctor's ass kind of thing like she was a little more yeah. feisty and a little uh more willful and that kind of thing so yeah but all the other companions have very much been like young hot and in love with the doctor which yeah. I'm always like I'm over now, and I, that's why I was really happy when they cast Capaldi because I'm like, "Fuck, he's older. They're not going to do any of this stuff anymore." And they didn't like, and they haven't had a chance. They haven't done it mm-hmm. yet. So it's like, this is like the most sexual tension he's had is with uh, uh, the Master now because <laughs> she regenerated into a yeah. woman. Like, yeah, and that's awesome. That comes back yeah. in a couple weeks, right? It's pretty soon now. 
It's soon now, yeah. I don't know. I think it's April, April or May. Yeah, I think I think it's like April tenth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's April Fool's Day where I am, guys. So, you know, <laughs> oh, there you go. Speaking of which, have uh, you guys seen you can play uh, Miss Pac-Man on Google Maps right now? What? No. Yeah. I, I was, oh yes, I did see that. Sorry, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that this morning. That's the. I haven't. That's the Google 2017 uh, April Fools, or one of them, anyways. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. I got so lost when they did the fucking Pokemon one. Like I was, <laughs> I was just on my phone all fucking day looking for Pokemon. It was ridiculous. I bet. Um, The last thing I have here, uh, Joss Whedon is in talks to direct Batgirl. Yes, except I then saw an announcement that said it's supposed to be New 52 Batgirl, and I really have not been a fan of the Batgirl of Burnside. I haven't haven't read any of it. Yeah, so, uh, like, Gail Simone has... Yes. she's, She's a good writer, and I like her a lot. I wasn't really, like, super enthused about the idea of her rebooting Batgirl as Barbara Gordon because I really love Oracle, and I really just want Oracle to exist all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm obviously going to talk about that later. But um, uh, I am hopeful because I think – I still like Joss Whedon. A lot of people are like, well, you know, this is another, like, pretty, like – white guy in the geek universe who's been like who's had a stranglehold on a lot of franchises that people love for a long time not a stranglehold i'm not saying that i i love joss whedon i love almost all of his stuff so i'm happy that batgirl's coming but a lot of people are like well this could have been an opportunity for another female director it could have been another opportunity for like more interaction with female writers and you know because it's a female superhero um but that being said I still like Joss Whedon's stuff, and I'm very hopeful. So, yeah. and I know he'll try to do his best to do justice to the character. So, yeah. and, and Gail Simone, yeah. Gail Simone stuff. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, trash talking Gail Simone stuff on Batgirl, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. when uh, Babstar and Cameron Stewart took it over and swung mm-hmm. it really hard in a, like a millennial direction, where like she was developing apps and shit like that, and using apps to catch criminals and shit, and it's uh, yeah. it's still in that area, but it's not quite as hard that way now. They've kind of swung back a little bit closer towards the middle, and uh, yeah. it's been better. But the the that particular like Batman or Batgirl of Burnside run, I was really not a fan of. I just want them to stay away from Killing Joke. Just stay away from the Killing Joke. Well, especially considering they just did the animated uh, movie of it as well. So, which was bad. That I, was a bad. <laughs> I still haven't watched it. I need to. Oh no! no. I thought you. Were, we, we talked about that. I'm, I'm still way behind on the DC animated movies. Man, we talked about that months ago on the yeah. show. I will never accept Batman and Batgirl as a romantic couple. It was just, they oh. did it in the animated series too, though. Yeah, there's precedent. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I just won't. I just no. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm really. I really hope that Joss Whedon uh, brings all the things that I like about his stuff to Batgirl because I think that could be a really great thing. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, it'll be another female fronted superhero movie that at least you know a lot of traditional comic book fans would get behind and i mean traditional comic book fans is the ones who scream like women can't carry their own movies kind of thing (laughs) um because i think that uh just 
has enough pedigree to like push this, and then we can just have more, like more ba- like Gotham City Sirens, Batgirl, maybe a Vixen movie one day. Who knows? The yeah. possibilities are endless. Vixen's been really good on uh, Legends of Tomorrow this year. Yeah, That's she has been tangential. Um, yeah. I'm just I'm surprised after the the kind of like unceremonious way he left Marvel, like the MCU kind of stuff. Yeah, that he would be like wanting to delve into any kind of big budget superhero. Well, that also that also makes point. me think that if they are courting him, that and, and they're at the point where they're willing to at least you know leak the news or whatever that he's uh, being at least being considered or whatever, that he must have you know really laid down and said, "Look, you guys saw what happened with me at Marvel. I need to have you know a lot of creative control over this, or I'm going to fucking walk." You know, you can't go sticking your dick in this. Like, you know, I need to be able yeah. to make this mine, kind of thing. Which is, I'm curious to see if the DC guys will be able to do that right now. I mean, I guess just having Joss Whedon attached to it at this point, like, kind of makes it so that he's got a he's got a big enough like Hollywood dick at this point that he can go swinging it around pretty easily when it comes to that kind of thing. I would imagine, like, he's the kind of guy that you can like if he goes and like fuck off, I'm doing my own movie they're probably not going to fuck with him too much, right? Like, yeah. he's made $2 billion for Marvel making those two Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah. without military kickbacks, unlike the DC movies. But, uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, but it's weird because he, uh, I remember back when Joss Whedon was doing a treatment for a Wonder Woman movie back, I think it was like 2005. It was like seven or something like that, yeah. Yeah, like a long time ago, and they, like, shit all over it. And he just couldn't deal with the executive meddling in the DC, from, like at Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, that being said, I mu- it must. They must have given him a lot of free reign to do what he wanted to do. So Which is good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, great. So. I think. So. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's everything I got. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we move along? Uh, uh, can't think. I've got two things. Uh, one is. Uh, American Gods premieres soon, and a lot of reviews have been coming out for the first episode and just raves across the board. I'm excited. I'm so excited for that show. Brian Fuller is one of my favorite TV creators. Um, uh, you know, Hannibal pushing daisies, all that stuff. So, and Dead Like Me, even though it ended so badly. Um, yeah, but it's so really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm so excited to watch American Gods. The first episode is coming. I think it's coming out soon, but I'm not exactly sure. When I know it's in April, but I'm not sure exactly. Again, it's one of those like I'm not exactly sure of the date. I know it's coming up very shortly. Yeah. Though. Yeah, and the other geek news, which you guys probably don't give a shit about, is um, the se- the second season of Attack on Titan is premiering this weekend. Um, this is an anime series about like giants who have destroyed the population of the planet by c- eating humans, and the last holdouts of humanity um, trying to survive against these like uh, almost unstoppable monsters. It's really really popular in. Japan, America, and here in Korea. So it's kind of a big deal for this region. Uh, and I'm going to be watching that in simulcast as soon as it pops up. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't really care. I mean, I, <laughs> I know of Attack on Titan. I've, you know, I have friends that are big fans, but I'm, it's just not something I've ever really had much interest in. 
Mm-hmm. And that whole uh, the whole anime scene is completely foreign to me and always has been. So <laughs> yeah, I dabble well, very it. slightly in it, but not. I've dabbled, but like not to any great like success. So yeah, well neither has Hollywood because apparently the Ghost in the Shell movie that premieres this weekend is getting bad reviews. That. Yeah, not oh, yeah. doing so good. Yeah, yeah. that's what you get <laughs> for making, you for blanding things up. I don't know. I love Scarlett Johansson. Me too. And but a lot of people said they went into that movie like being okay with her casting, and then when they came out, they're like, "Why wasn't she Japanese?" So like, fair mm, enough. So yeah. Anyway, th- those are my two things. All right, uh, let's move this along. We've been holy fuck. We're at forty minutes already. Crazy. <laughs> um, let's do uh, let's do geek of the week. Well, I guess I got to do this thing on my own. So I don't have a Christie. You don't have a Christie this week. Geek, geek of the week. Well, that was exciting. <laughs> How do you feel doing that by yourself, man? Uh, it's not the only thing I do by myself, so. There you go. Attaboy. Attaboy. Uh, let's start with our guest, like our guest guest. Paul, oh, what was the geekiest uh, thing you did this week? I've got a couple, but probably the geekiest thing is... One geeky uh, thing. One geeky thing would be... Uh, I recently bought tickets for Seoul Comic Con, uh, which uh, is from the same guys who do SDCC and NYCC. They're bringing Comic Con here to Seoul. Is this uh, in the first August. time this is happening? This is the first time. Interesting. Uh, most. Most comic book conventions in Korea, especially in Seoul, are fan run, and they're mostly about like f- fan made comics as opposed to like really big geek. Uh, tent poles like DC, Marvel, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there's a huge appetite for that here in Korea because the um, South Korea is one of the test markets for a lot of the Marvel movie premieres, um, and they love Marvel stuff here. Uh, so uh, they're bringing a, a Comic Con here, and I've been planning my cosplay for the three days because it it aligns with my summer holiday uh, from my my teaching jobs so i am going to be cosplaying different a different character every day and i've got two costumes ready and one i'm still in the planning stages of so that's my geekiest thing that i've been doing this week is planning my cosplay do you want to share your cosplays or are they Uh, secret no the first two i've done already so i had them in storage one of them is a team rocket Grunt from Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is a uh, Black Mage from Final Fantasy Tactics Advance Two, and my third one will be uh, a State Alchemist from Full Metal Alchemist. Obviously, I skew very much on the Japanese side of <laughs> geekdom, so Fair uh, yeah. So it's I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, when you cosplay, it's kind of like being a celebrity for a day. Everyone wants to take your picture, and you get to do a lot of like geeky poses and it's fun so and that and i'm really interested to see what an american comic book convention uh style is going to play out like here in seoul because they're uh the way they interact with fandom is a little different it's a little bit it's similar and like there's a lot of screaming online but there's also like it's also a very like uh different public fan culture like people like the 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 cool geek concept is only just kind of starting to take fruition here 
whereas because um, there's still like the the concept of otaku culture in Japan and Korea, where it's like something kind of shameful and it's not something that's going to get you a date. But um, this uh, no- nowadays it's starting to shift towards a more North American like geeks are cool again kind of concept. So that's my geek of the week. Nice, nice. Uh, Tim, go nuts. Um, let's see. We did get a Switch this week. Alicia finally got her hands on one. A Best Buy near us got some in stock, so she's uh, started playing Breath of the Wild. I have not touched it yet, however. So that is not. <laughs> have you have you been allowed to even like handle the Switch yet? She let me like. Well, not she let me. Like I did like pick up the tablet so I could <laughs> you know. And it's super light. The uh, actual like tablet itself, I was really surprised. Um, and she's mostly been playing it on the tablet rather than playing it on the TV as well. The dock? Yeah, so, which is also kind of interesting. But, um, uh, no, for me, my biggest geek of the week, which was related, is that I uh, finally finished uh, Wind Waker 100% you know, completion last weekend. So, uh, Congratulations. Even, yeah, including all of the fucking figurines, which is the first time oh, that I've done you, that. Oh, that's right. You did the figurines yeah. this time, eh? Yeah, so, I did that on the GameCube. It sucks. <laughs> so all the figurines, every single upgrade, um, every heart piece, uh, yeah, and all the yeah, all the figurines was the biggest one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, it was fun. I love that. I love that game. It looks even better. On the you know it, this was the HD version that I was playing and it uh, definitely looks even better and streamlines a lot of the playthrough as we've talked about before so yeah definitely up there probably within like my top five Zelda games maybe in like my top three mm. I think uh, Wind Waker is probably uh, top five definitely now like I I would be I'm still not entirely sure where I would place Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. It would be very high, but I don't know if it would be number one. Yeah. And neither one of you have played Link Between Worlds, right? No. Uh, you, well, you know what I'm like with handhelds, right? Yeah. Like, right. And I talk about it on the podcast all along, where like my hands cramp up really bad, so I kind of have to... I right. can't do them for very long. And yeah. like, Zelda games are games that I like. I will lose myself in and just sit there and play for like hour. Like I've been brutal with Breath of the Wild for the past three yeah. weeks. So yeah. yeah, if you got yourself uh, your hands on a 3ds XL, maybe like just like a, just a larger handheld, it's so worth it because that game uh, is like it runs like Link to the Past. Yeah, but it has the non-linearity of uh, Breath of the Wild. Um, you can do the dungeons in any order as long as you have the right equipment for it. Um, mm. So it's uh, I've. I really recommend that one, but yeah, uh, that's in my top five for, I still haven't, I will, I wish I could get my hands on a switch in Korea. It's, <laughs> they're so expensive. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not touching breath of the wild until I can get my hands on a switch. So yeah. Alicia, my wife has uh, played um, link between worlds and she really enjoyed it. I will get to playing it, but I'm sort of playing them in order on the timeline. So the next one for me that I'll end up playing um, I mean, I'll, I'll end up playing Breath of the Wild as soon as I can, you know, once I can pry it out of Alicia's hands. But uh, the next one on my sort of epic playthrough will end up being uh, Phantom Hourglass because it comes after Wind Waker. Wind Waker, yeah. You've got, uh, you've probably got, uh, depending on how, like, crazy she is about it, you've probably got, like, a solid two or three week wait before oh, you yeah. get your hands on that. On that. 
Switch. Yeah, so. I expect so, yeah. at least. And plus, yeah. we're traveling for a bit in April, and my parents are in town for a week in April, so that will make that. Those don't seem even Well, more. first of all, she can take the Switch with her while you guys are traveling, so there is that. Um, and I don't feel like your parents visiting would be nece- necessitate Alicia completely giving up Zelda for some reason. No, not entirely, but it might uh, yeah. slow her play a little bit. Slow her down? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, that's a game you could definitely like. You can lose a lot of time to. I, I would. I. I'm really glad the Wii U doesn't keep track of like actual play time because I'm like loath to even think about how much time <laughs> I spent in that world. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But since that's been my geek of the week for like three weeks running now, I'm not going to go with geek of the week. Like that's not my <laughs> geek of the week this week. Even though I did finish finally get all my fucking item expansion things. Like I got 441 Korok seeds nice. and then was able to not do any more of that shit so i'm like thank god <laughs> now i'm just clearing out side quests and stuff like that that i have left i have 10 left or something like that to do Jesus. but my geek of the week at a 76 side quests that are listed on the thing <laughs> i have 10 left i'm doing i'm doing all right are they actually listed in the game or listed on like a, a online guide or something like that no, no, no. Like in the game, it'll tell you like oh, okay. there's 76, like how many of them out of 76 you, you have completed? listed or okay. completed. Yeah. So that's nice. I like it when games have that in them. So you don't have to go fucking like hunting around. Yeah. Well, this is like, it'd be impossible to find some of them if you didn't know they were like there kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, they're there. So you got to go find it. But it's like, where is it? Anyway, uh, my actual geek of the week is um, I want to like, I don't know if I know Paul's listened to it, but Mastodon came out today, the new Mastodon mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. And it's so fucking good. Like, it's so fucking good. Um, so I've been like, I have tickets to see them in a couple weeks. They're playing here with Eagles Death Metal in Toronto. And I'm just like living inside this album. It is fucking spectacular. Did you say like, you'd already heard it, though? Like it leaked or something? It leaked a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But I, I had not, we hadn't actually really talked about it on the show. And I was just like, this is fucking it, dynamite. And now I've had a chance is. to kind of live with it. Where like, I'm like everything about it this is like crack the sky part two with a little bit more like sh- polish on it like this is fucking glorious metal so nice. yeah it's really really good i like i uh dabble in metal like, we talked about it a little bit on the bonus episode but like um that's uh metal plays as my opposite to all the pop i listened to and this yeah. mastodon album was a, like a breath of fresh air for me uh, it was like just really solid across the board i really enjoyed just sitting down and listening to it so yeah um speaking of that there was a uh, a news item i'm surprised you didn't mention which was that uh there's a new perfect circle uh album announced oh yeah 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 i saw that so too new, new maynard which 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 has thrown the tool fan base into a utter tizzy because they're like there's no way they can get a perfect like because tools touring uh, i have tickets for them in may in hamilton Mm -hmm. and then perfect circles touring in the summer and then if perfect circle is going to be has been or will be in the studio doing an album the tool the tool guys are like how the fuck are they going to get an album out (laughs) like this is going to be impossible so we're like we're fucked again for another year or like decade or something (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's been it has been 11 years since uh 10,000 days came out because that was in 2006 it came out the same week or like within a week of the self-titled 2006 like avocado pearl jam album and even pearl jam has gotten three other albums after that out now i think 
So Pearl Jam's never had trouble really getting albums out, though, have they? They've always been pretty prolific. They they're way slower now than they used to be. Like they're into that like elder statesman five year between mm. album kind of thing that mm-hmm. like everybody seems to do. Nowhere near like the level of like Tool disappearing for what was it like? They're notorious for this because it was five years between. It's been five years pretty much consistently between albums. Yeah. Since like it was ninety. 90- was it 93 for Undertow? And then 96 for Anima? Uh-huh. And then 2001 for Lateralis? And then 2006 for 10,000 Days? It's now 2017. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. we haven't well, heard and like they've been in they've been in the studio working for fucking yeah. god only knows how long, right? So Yeah, I think that um so Musicians like Pearl Jam, uh, bands like Pearl Jam and U2 and things like that, they don't really... Now that we're in the like the age of nostalgia and they have like 20th, 30th anniversary re-releases of these classic albums, they don't yeah. have to release new albums to justify a tour anymore. They can just uh-huh. say, like, we're just going to tour these old albums again. Like if Pearl Jam did a... Uh, it's 30th- 25 years. It's 25 years this year, actually. So yeah. there, there's there's talk of an... Because uh, they did PJ20 five years ago, because we were yeah. at those shows in Toronto. Yeah. And then yeah. they're talking about 25 years this year, because they just put a video out. Like, it's 25 years to the week that the Alive single was released this week, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so if they did, like, a uh, 20 years... Uh, 20th or 30th anniversary of Tool thing, like, no one would bat an eye. People would probably go... Well, and like they just they just <laughs> yeah. announced a random another random spate of set of dates. Like they're playing in Hamilton in May. Mm. There's nothing yeah. like no reason for it. They're just playing in in May. So I was like, well, I'm gonna go see Tool because I like going to see Tool. But <laughs> right. I yeah. would like to have a new album at this point. Like I'd be curious to see like how ten years that has improved or degraded their ability to write songs together at this point. And now that's like Tool was always like an outlier back in the day. Whereas now there's a lot of bands that do that kind of like heady progressive kind of metal stuff. Like they're yeah. going to come out if it came out this year, it would go head to head with um, the the Mastodon record, which is like these guys are at the peak of their fucking songwriting ability at this point. Like they're killing it. So <laughs> like that that would, I'm not sure how they would how a ten year on like Rust Tool album kind of thing would fare against a very very well oiled mastodon machine so yeah fair enough but mm. anyway <laughs> go listen to fucking if you like heavy music or like you like rock music or you just want to try something new like go pick up the mastodon record or pick up the fuck like i'm so goddamn old guys <laughs> like they're going to have to go buy a cd right <laughs> yeah down Download. Go to your Apple. Spotify. Yeah. You can just get it on Spotify. Oh yeah, it. Apple even Store. On, even downloading, it's like wow, yeah, just yeah. stream it on Spotify. It's on Spotify. Go get it on Spotify. <laughs> Emperor of Sand. Go listen to it. Like Steam Breather. Just and watch Jaguar it on God. YouTube. It's on yeah. YouTube probably. <laughs> there was a sweet series of making of the fucking albums that was out this back this past week too. It was really good. So <laughs> whatever. They were doing an AMA today on Reddit. I was kind of reading that. Like Brand was doing an AMA. So anyway. Um let's let's get to the meat of the episode. The meat of the episode. <laughs> oh. Paul wants to play along. So Four colors go. of meat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <gross. laughs> 
the other Sounds other like one. My usual Friday night. <laughs> uh, well played, nice. sir. Um, so because we have Paul here, we don't get to do this very often. Where Christy has gone MIA on us for a little while, we don't get to talk about like really get nerdy and like really talk about comic books. So whenever we get the opportunity, whether it just be Tim or I. And now that we've finally kind of coordinated the fact that we can get Paul on the show and like he has a <laughs> microphone and we can talk to him, mm-hmm. we can do a really nerdy episode. So I was just like, I just want to really generally talk about comics at this point. And I was kind of just saying, pick your favorite creative teams or maybe runs of books that you like and let's just go crazy. So, nice. okay. Um, why don't you, uh, guest, guest host there, why don't you uh, start us off, like name a, name a series or something or name a okay. creative team or whatever you want to do. Well, you know, this is going to be obvious for Mark, and you guys have mentioned it before on the podcast, but uh, Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's uh, Astonishing X-Men run is probably one of my favorite comic book runs of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think the the characterization um, of every single X-Men that he picked for that team was really, really good. Um, the new characters that he introduced were pretty great, too. Um, the the four, like, mini storylines that he wrote were f- fantastic with the, the longer Break World uh, story ending. Yeah. Uh, Underneath and kind of around. And uh, kind of around and informing it with Ord being the main character. Uh, like antagonist throughout, but also yeah. being not the main antagonist by the end of it, as Joss Whedon is wont to do. In a very um, in a very Buffy esque like uh story arc too, like the way yeah. it works. So Buffy Yeah. Very Buffy esque. And to its credit, um I think uh this handles character the character so well and having Kitty and Emma kind of at the forefront of a lot of the storyline was such a good choice because, um, you know, uh, they have a really good dynamic and Emma had, with this storyline, had become probably my favorite X-Man. She's She's in my top five. X person, yeah. X X whatever. Um, She's, uh, uh, she... Her the very weird, disastrous solo book that she had, uh, and all of the weird stuff that had happened to her with like the the love triangle and Grant Morrison's run. Like I think that um, astonishing X Men like justified the existence of her character as a main character in the X-Men books and um, her, the interactions between all of the characters worked so well and scaling back the use of Wolverine to these like really strong moments as opposed it's to actually happening. my favorite, the, the, this run has two of my favorite things in it. It has my favorite Wolverine in it. Cause he's literally, he's omnipresent as he usually is. He's in like every panel in the background. He says nothing, but when he does say something, it's fucking brilliantly funny. <laughs> like he yeah. always has the best snarky, shitty fucking dialogue always has the perfect thing to say all the time like yeah. that little that little that beat where kitty and uh peter come downstairs and oh like, and he smells them he stand, he's, he's sitting there eating fucking cereal and having a beer or something like that first thing in the morning and he looks at them both and you can kind of see his nose wiggling because cassidy's like 
a brilliant illustrator just does it perfectly and just says about time and just continues eating and they look yeah. turn red and both walk away separately. <laughs> yeah. like, so fucking good that's awesome like, so fucking good yeah and, and, and you could like and it's almost like tv like beat like you could almost like he's so good at paneling stuff cassidy that like you have that beat where like there's the pause, and then he's like, about time, and then like, yeah. ah, and they move along, you're like, oh, he's so good. <laughs> yeah. Perfect Wolverine. Even right. the fight, the fight at the beginning, where they're showing all the X-Men's inner dialogue, and they're like, Beast is thinking about like, strategy, and Cyclops is trying to figure out like, how his feelings for Emma, and Emma's doing the same thing for Cyclops, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, and the only caption for Logan is, I like beer. Like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, uh, like, it, it, it's these small moments, like, these really funny moments or these really emotionally impactful moments that Joss Whedon does well in his TV series that he translated so beautifully and John Cassidy captured so well in this series. Like, when um, uh, Kitty discovers, the, and spoilers, of course, um, Kitty discovers Colossus yeah, for, uh, is for alive. a 15, 15 year old fucking comic book. I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, but um, she she's like completely stunned, and Colossus just runs right through her. Um, yeah. She uses her powers, and she's just she can't cope with it. Because he even he even kind of like half catches that beat too, where he she kind of like touches her like chest as he asked after he's walked by and she's still yeah. staring forward. Like he Cassidy's fucking brilliant on like Cassidy has done amazing runs on a million different books. I've talked about planetary ad nauseum whenever we talk about comic books. He's <laughs> yeah. the artist on that too. Um he's I don't want to say he's my favorite, but he's gotta be like top three. Like he is yeah. fucking brilliant. He's so good. Yeah, my favorite panel actually is with the callback to uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, where Kitty is like underground, um, uh, in the water, just like Wolverine was in the sewers of the Hellfire yeah. Club, and looking yeah. up like I'm like it's time time to fight. Look, yeah. love my that turn. pose. Oh, yeah. so good. One like just front to back. It's a really great series. The uh, the the. People are kind of iffy on the danger arc, um, but the danger room arc uh, actually justified itself after the fact um, because she became kind of a cool character. Yeah, I like danger, actually. She's pretty good. Yeah. That's also like, is that, that's not the Hellfire arc part of the club or part of the arc too, is it? No, that's the second one. The second arc. Right. Okay. Right. Sorry. It it all blurs together at one point because that's the other thing I like is like when Wolverine gets de-aged like psychically or whatever. By Cassandra mm-hmm. Nova, and then like the thing that snaps him out of it is that a beer can hits him on the fucking head. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Joss, you get you understand comic book Wolverine <laughs> oh so well. Yeah, and it, but it's like, like he also gets props because like at the end of that story when they start, they start wrapping it up and the the bullet is coming towards the earth, like the big the giant bullet um, yeah. is coming towards Earth. He fucking nails Spider Man in three panels the way I don't think any writer has nailed Spider Man in comics in was- ages. Yeah, yeah, like he just nails comic book Spider-Man. I was like, yeah. give him the movie. Like they should have given him the movie. <laughs> Has Joss written anything for uh, Marvel besides that, or was that basically his only foray into comics? Well, uh, big two. Well, aside from the Buffy, yeah. the Buffy stuff, he wrote. I'm trying to think now. I don't think that he wrote anything else. I like I I really wish that he would have written some fucking DC stuff because there's definitely some characters there that he could do massive justice to, but he never has. Comics by Joss Whedon, uh, Astonishing X Men. No, that's it. Because he it? did okay, there and go. all all Buffy stuff. Because yeah. he did Frey too. Yeah, 
Yeah, he did Frey. Frey was really good. I like Frey a lot, actually. Hmm. So, yeah. The, he, can't pick, his, he can't pick his own pencilers for shit, though, because, like, when he picked the fucking Buffy penciler, who's that guy? That guy that just, like, makes my skin crawl? I don't remember his name. It but was it, Buffy yeah, Season he, 8. Um, the pencil on that was really bad. Really, really bad. I remember. Um, yeah, I'm not happy. George Deonti. I've always wanted us to get into that stuff, like series, and I love that they do it, that they like, um, you know, will go into a series that has been canceled and bring it back in comics and stuff like that, but I just have such a backlog of my DC stuff that I've never really gone in and read it. But like I've for years, I've wanted to read like the Serenity comics and the you know Buffy and Angel uh, season uh, eight and season six and stuff like that. And yeah. I've like poked into the Buffy like post TV Buffy comics. Like I've read season eight and I've read part of season nine. Like part and like the like going into the Angel Faith series that is, I'm not sure if it's ongoing or it was going on for a while. Mm-hmm. They were all, they're all good, but it's just not the same. Yeah. The actors in Buffy really brought those characters yeah, to life. Yeah, there's, in a lot there's of ways. that. And then there's also like, like the art's not always super consistent, which yeah. is difficult. And they also, they take um, a lot more. It's the com- the comic book medium is obviously you can do anything in it, right? So they allow themselves that freedom to go very like superhero-y. Like everything gets which is really not big always all of a good. sudden. Which doesn't it doesn't I don't. That's not the 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 Buffy Angel world to me. Yeah. Like like you know the, I mean? they're like having, they're fighting at the fringes, not necessarily in like the heart of like a huge crazy battle. Yeah. Like they're just sort of battling the stuff that bleeds through into their yeah into you know, Sunny Sunnyville or whatever it was called. Sunny Sunnydale. Sunnydale. Yeah. Yeah. So when they so when they get into like a dragon as a main character and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like that doesn't really quite fit like what I think of the Buffy versus. It's still interesting. Some of it's very interesting. I mean, Angel Angel like, was a little more grandiose like that. Like they they were dealing more with the bigger storylines than Buffy did. But even so, yeah. it still wasn't like huge, huge, like crazy big bads kind of thing. Well, it's still like the the it's more the visual side of it. Mm-hmm. Like they really let themselves kind of like go crazy with the concepts being like they're going to go into the future and deal with the phrase stuff because they can because it's a comic book now. Like yeah. they can just go. Yeah. It's like the old argument about the Simpsons, right? Like the reason why the Simpsons is so cost effective is like they can tell any story they want because it costs just as much to animate the Simpsons in their couch as it does to animate the Simpsons on the moon. Yeah. So like you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. So. In a comic book, that's like you're completely unleashed to do anything you want. Like you can have, and it won't cost you 150 million dollars to make it look good. Yeah. You can have a guy in a fucking Iron Man suit punch a fucking like giant green fucking rage monster, <laughs> and like you can either have the artist do it on the page, or you can spend 150 million dollars, yeah, and get it put on a screen, yeah. Like you know what I mean. So there is that for sure. But so the comic lets you do whatever you want. It's just that like. When you've established a property the way Buffy's established, I feel like it's a weird thing to just be like, okay, you've been dealing with this for so like eight or nine years at this point. Well, I guess it's technically nine years because you've got eight, shit, eight years and then Angel would be the extra Mm -hmm. season kind of thing if it's the eighth season. And then all of a sudden you get Buffy season eight, which is like after season five of Angel. Yeah. And everything goes nuts and it turns into like the Marvel universe, you know what I mean? Like there's demons fucking everywhere and there's dragons and shit. I'm like, "Oh. Whoa, <laughs> whoa yeah. the world got way too weird all of a sudden." Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Still interesting. So, yeah. But still that X-Men run like, have you read it, Tim? Like, have you read Astonishing? No. You know how how little Marvel I've actually read, but 
I have. I still have my unlimited subscription. So someday, maybe yeah, you yeah. should really. Just I would. Uh, it's it. It would take you a while to get through, but I would do. Well, I was looking. It's only like twenty four issues. It's not that bad. Yeah, but I would rec- like. I feel it ties in really nicely. Like it almost kind of feels like the the bookend to Grant Morrison's mm. run. There is some stuff in between. Do not read it. Like, <laughs> the, uh, who is it that writes? I think it's Greg. Is it Greg Rucka in between? Mm, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember who wrote. Who's, but, who's a pretty common fucking like hack writer? Yeah, yeah. he's and it's it's like six. It's like a year between uh, Grant Morrison's like three or four year like epic new X Men mm-hmm. run. Yeah, and then like there's a year, and then Joss does two years. Yeah. While more like four years, I think. With by all the, time the delays. Those, yeah, by the time those issues actually got out. That was the era of the delays, man. Yeah, like, it was. That, was. that was running around the same time as like Ultimates and stuff like that, where we were just like, Mar- you know, waiting yeah. for these Marvel, rock Marvel star was fucking- way worse than that on than DC. DC oh, had a yeah. couple books, but Marvel was just plagued by it. Well, to be fair, Marvel DC did have Jim Lee working on books, so there is <laughs> always going to be some stuff like that. Yeah, but- All-Star yeah. Batman never fucking finished. Uh, I still yeah. want to see the end of that. As bad as that was, I still kind of want to read. What Me the too. End of that I hate. Did. I, like, I hate any time like a series gets canceled, even if it's shit. Like I still want to know how fucking was supposed to end. Just I, that one, especially for some reason, like as batshit insane as it was, <laughs> it always was like I'm. I needed to know what was going to happen next. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was bad, and like the characters were way fucking over the top and shit, but I was I'm the like, goddamn Batman. I'm the goddamn <laughs> Batman. But I wanted to see the next issue. A, because, like, the art was gorgeous. Like, Jim Lee was oh, destroying yeah. it. Yeah. But, like, I just wanted to see how fucking far the editorial at DC would let Frank Miller go with these characters. <laughs> Cause, Cause, like, just how deep he would let, let them let Frank Miller fuck them. Yeah, like he was like he was like he was shoulder fucking deep by the time they stopped. I was just like, he's touching their throats. Like he's right up there. Like it's ugly right now. Yeah, like yeah. he's wearing yeah. fucking Batman as a puppet. Like it's craziness. It like, was yeah. yeah. But I really I just wanted to see how it ended. I was so excited. To <laughs> anyway. Um yeah. But yeah, you should really go 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 through that X Men stuff. Those are like yeah. my two. Those are my two big X Men runs to me. Like those are the two that like. I mean, you can go back to the classic stuff. Like I've read all the Burn Claremont. Well, maybe not all the Claremont stuff because Claremont wrote X Men for like twenty five years or some shit. Yeah. But like, but like the John Byrne classic, like mm-hmm. leading into the Dark Phoenix saga stuff. I've read that too. I love New X Men and uh, Astonishing a lot. Yeah. And even the follow up arc to Astonishing was uh, a Warren Ellis run. Yeah, it was Warren Ellis. Which- wasn't that great, but it was pretty interesting. It was the Ghost Boxes run. The Ghost Boxes run, yeah. Which was kind of wasn't, weird. Wasn't it Ghost Boxes and Xenogenesis? Like, wasn't this, yeah. those just two arcs? Yeah. Yeah. And Warren it Ellis. It was interesting in, like, a Warren ellis kind of, like, I'm just going to write one of my weird technophobic stories or something like that, or, like, transhumanist yeah. stories and just run but, it in the X-Men, and everybody's going to be totally out of character, but... Yeah, that was the thing that got me, is that, like, the, you add Storm to this team, which I, I was so ha- happy about, and then it's like, that's not Storm. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, his Logan like was, like, his Logan was really weird, too. Like, all of a sudden, he was, like... Uh, story, tell, story time old man in that. Oh, like, yeah. Mr. Exposition. Yeah, like, he's Mr. Uh, Exposition in that. In that it was weird, but that is Warren Ellis is always like, when he goes into the mainline stuff, I'm always like, I'm interested to see what he's going to be allowed to let these characters do. Because mm-hmm. like he's not going to be allowed to talk about butt-fucking as much as like, he does in his regular books. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. 
he's gonna do something weird. <laughs> so like, the, yeah, I don't know. That's that. He's he's with somebody like as soon as he does mainline stuff, I'm like, I'm gonna read it out of curiosity. But mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pro. It's gonna be the only one that I ever liked a lot was Secret Adventures. Yeah, which is another one that I wanted. To oh, actually, about, yeah. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight was Knight. killer, which is on my list, but yeah. Tim, like, uh, why don't you why don't you name some shit? Let's uh, let's talk about your stuff now. Yeah, let's let's go to the other side of the aisle here for a minute. Um, all right, I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go obscure, but definitely one of my favorite and I would say most underrated characters, which is uh, Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. And I think I've talked about my love for Firestorm on the podcast you before. Um, so Firestorm, uh, this this run was uh, 100 issues, 1982 to 1990. The run itself had weak points, but it, there are strong points all the way between the beginning and the end. It was uh, Jerry Conway was the writer, who's a fucking legend of a comic book yeah. writer. Oh yeah, his that name is like that name is myth at this point. Yeah. Like, he's so fucking good. He wrote Superman for a long time too, didn't he? Yep, he did for quite a while. And uh, Al Mil- Milgram was the penciler uh, for the majority of the run as well. Um, and. Uh, so it's just it's an amazing character that and I, I wrote a whole fucking chapter in my undergrad thesis on this uh, that just really brilliantly sort of captures the Cold War uh, sort of public consciousness, like the fact that people were like scared of like basically he is Firestorm is is uh, a character that is born out of a nuclear accident like he's uh, caught there's some protesters that sabotage a nuclear reactor, basically trying to show that it's unsafe. And uh, these two characters, Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein, uh, get caught in the explosion. And instead of being annihilated to atoms, uh, they get fused together and become this like sort of composite being, which is Firestorm. And he's an amazing character that's had a huge role in a lot of like big DC stories. Like he... Uh, for starters is basically like a walking nuclear reactor, but he also has like full control over matter. So he can change anything into anything else, which is, he calls is called transmutation. Like, you know, he can turn water into jelly beans or something like that, which is, sounds really useful. But the, 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 uh, like story itself, there were some really cool villains throughout it. And, but really it was just the fact that, uh, the character itself really like, encapsulated that like people were scared of nuclear technology at the time but sort of as the series went on was sort of as the cold war sort of cooled down and uh you know sort of ended and then people started becoming a little bit more comfortable with uh nuclear technology and that was really reflected in the run as well like you could see uh that people were sort of becoming or that that he was becoming more publicly accepted in in the comic you know the DC universe rather than people like being scared of him or whatever and yeah. and even in the end towards the end of the run uh he ended up being merged with a russian nuclear powered superhero as well so they basically tried to like humanize russians towards the end as well which was really kind of cool um so yeah there was this russian nuclear powered superhero is basically like you know government made superhero you know in russia superhero works for government uh and (laughs) yeah every time yeah exactly oh they're always government puppets yeah exactly (laughs) and uh and he basically um 
uh, was about to die, and the only way that they could come up with to save him was like to bring him into the Firestorm Matrix and like make him a part of the Firestorm being. And so they had this character that ended up being a composite Russian and American character that was a really cool concept in like the late 80s. So a really political uh, comic overall, and definitely a run that I would highly recommend for both historical reasons and because Firestorm has become kind of this key character in the DC universe in a lot of later stories and is now on Legends of Tomorrow. On Legends of Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually one of my... I, I really... I found they they don't use the Firestorm side of stuff very much on the show anymore. But like I like I like the two separate characters yeah. a lot. So I think they work really well as separate characters too. So I f- that's been I fucking love the moment on the Tolkien episode where he uh, transmuted like the uh, the vault into jelly beans. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he asked. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. He asked Rip Hunter like, "What's your favorite candy?" And Rip Hunter says, "Jelly beans." And he just turns the whole like vault that's carrying uh, part of the Spear of Destiny into jelly beans. It was a really. Yeah. It was a good effect too. So, yeah. 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 The no, only- that show. I like that show a lot. Yeah. The only. Uh- because uh, I'm not big on the DC side of things, except for a few characters and runs. Mm-hmm. But the only uh, thing I remember seeing Firestorm in is Identity Crisis, in which Ronnie Raymond dies. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I ha- I really hated Identity Crisis. Oh, really? So I was, uh, <laughs> which one was Identity Crisis? It was, was the one where Ralph Divney's wife okay, yeah, going yeah. fucking batshit crazy and the rape one, yeah. the rape yeah, story, the, the Doctor Light rape story. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And then the like that was less of a big deal than Batman getting his memory wiped and stuff like that. It was just like oh, there's there's a lot of problems yeah, Zatanna wiping <laughs> wiping the whole Justice League's memories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like, but I remember like his his costume was really cool. His power set was really cool, and then he just kind of uh, I think it was the Shadow Thief that killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it was just well, it's, yeah. I, I'm having like I read Identity Crisis, but it's been so long since I've like I read it that it was. It's yeah. totally blurring in my brain. Yeah, but like uh, a super political. Who penciled thing that? Identity oh. Crisis was uh, Rex, I Morales, say Rex Morales. Right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was Rex Morales. Yeah. Oh, he's such a good. He's so fucking good. He is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just get I get into like who fucking penciled it? Cause I yeah. can see the panels in my head. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that guy was fucking awesome. And uh, so yeah. John Ostrander actually took over Firestorm towards the end of the series and turned him into a fire elemental for about 10 issues. Basically, I think they were trying to play off like the uh, success of uh, and popularity of Swamp Thing at the time. So they turned him into like this fire elemental creature too. And that was weird, but still kind of cool. That is a run uh, we should talk about at some point, but i doubting... I don't know. Have you read that, Paul? What? The... Swamp Thing? Swamp like, Thing? The Alan Moore Swamp oh, Thing. Oh... I don't think so. I think that it's been it's been sitting on my hard drive for a long time, but I haven't actually. I because I I'm love it or hate it with Alan Moore. Um, I really uh, love. He was still in. He he was pre Crazy Man mm. at that point. Like that yeah. was still him writing like good concise comic books at that point. Yeah, because I love pulpy kind of stuff. So uh, Alan like that in theory. There is some weird shit in there. I think that's part of the run where like. Swamp Thing and his girlfriend or wife or whatever decide they want to have a baby, so he possesses John Constantine yeah. and uses his body to have sex with his wife or something like that. I think that's in that run. It's interesting stuff because, like, it's something that gets referenced in Hellblazer a lot, where like 
Constantine is almost constantly being, for all intents and purposes, sexually abused. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the ones that he brings up all the time is like this swamp god fucking taking over his body and like <laughs> using it to fuck his wife. And he's just like, that kind of fucked me up. Yeah. Like, and he regained control just long enough to have the orgasm or something like that. Or like, right, I don't know. It was really weird. Well, that was very kind of the swamp thing, I guess. Yeah. If you're like, back if you're off like, oh, at that point. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> let him, let him out. Let him, let him have the shot. I was like, that's fucked up. I don't know. It's very strange. Oh, oh, wow. Only yeah. Alan Moore, and only it would only happen in a book that was like kind of the precursor to the Vertigo's line, right? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of shit. Yeah. Right. I do have, I do have a Swamp Thing series on my list, but it's not that one mainly because I haven't read that yet. I have it, but I haven't read it. Hmm. It was one of the later Swamp Thing series. Okay. But. Yeah, I like the I like the old Alan Moore one. That's the one that I like a lot. So yeah. I always that way. Um, Heard good things, just haven't had the chance to get to it yet. You should really uh you should really read that. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of things I should read. That's and that's DC, man. Like that's inside your wheelhouse. It is. So like why wouldn't you just go and like, said, like Are you trying I've to read it. an order? Well, I'm still trying to catch up with my uh current stuff right and then i've got that batman reading project sitting there waiting for me after that which is epic as well where are you in that anyway fucking early like still in like the pre like the year two-ish kind of stuff oh yeah that's tough (laughs) sit stuff too well there's not much of it at least though no that's true and most of it's most of it was retconned within a year anyway (laughs) so like i don't think any of it actually existed in continuity Within a year of it happening, anyway, especially the year two stuff got. Yeah. Was it year two or year three that really got written out really quick? Right. Which one had the Tom McFarlane pencils? That's year uh, two. Right? Year two, I think. Yeah, with the Reaper. Yeah, yeah, that's the shit that gets written out really fucking fast. Yeah, because it's got the stuff with like Batman with a gun. Yeah, yeah. But I've also got some really exciting stuff in front of me, like Long Halloween and shit like that that I've never got to read before. Ooh. So. Oh, you haven't read Long Halloween. Oh. Yeah, this is a, a giant blind spot in Tim's... Uh, Tim doesn't like going into the... Tim likes the ongoings. He doesn't... Whenever you start getting into like the, the cool little miniseries that you and I tend to gravitate towards, that's mm. where you kind of lose Tim a lot, so... Oh, okay, I see. Because I, Unless I, it's I, Superman. Because... Unless... Yeah. Well, okay, right, fair enough. <laughs> Superman, yeah, that's true. Yeah, All-Star Superman was pretty amazing. It was. Um, the... Uh, yeah, I, because it's so hard to latch on to that much continuity and like, I want to, I enjoy a lot of different kind of media. So com- I can't focus just on comics. Mm-hmm. Those, those more contained arcs are more my speed. I think I like, I like the big broad continuity, but I don't necessarily need to, I don't feel the need to like have read all of it. I like having that broad stroke, the broad strokes there mm-hmm. to kind of play off of, but like, I, I really enjoy like I may not get it, but like when you're reading a book and there's like a huge callback to something, yeah, and then I gotta go and like do a deep dive and like research why that's so big, or like go on Reddit and be like, "Did you realize that that whole big thing was a big deal because of X?" And then it's like, yeah. well, "What the fuck's X?" And then I've gotta go and like find out what X was, and it becomes like this awesome discovery process yeah. of this that they've been planting bizarre... seeds for this or whatever, or at yeah, least pulling like, elements from like the last like twenty years or something like that. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff that like one of the guys that I'm gonna talk about eventually, like that Bru- like Ed Brubacher right like he does he loves doing that kind of Mm. stuff where he plants seeds for years and issues and he'll go back and find really obscure little references to stuff that like happened in the 70s and like bring it back and like that kind of stuff like that like his winter soldier run is like all completely filled with that kind of stuff morrison tends to do that quite a bit as well yeah morrison morrison's very blatant about it though i find like i like it when it's a little bit more like 
oh shit, this the, this character showing back up is a big deal because X happened like in 1972 in this <laughs> one issue that like probably nobody really remembers. Whereas Morrison's like Batman of Zen Zen what is it Zen Zurinar. Zurinar, yeah, like that kind of stuff that like people remember because it's batshit insane, but he's gonna fold <laughs> in interestingly. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's that prepared for stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. It's craziness. Morrison, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with Morrison. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, you're like All Star Superman. You're a fucking genius. Uh, New X Men, I like it, but there's some weird shit in there. His Batman run. I'm hit or miss on like some of it's amazing. Some of it is just too <laughs> fucking. I yeah. want to do fifty sci-fi weird shit with Batman. I'm like he's that it didn't work then, and integrating <laughs> it now is not going to make it any better. Grant, yeah, just because the aliens are talking to you <laughs> and telling you to do this stuff doesn't mean it's a good idea to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh. So like get this back on track, I guess. That's my job as host, right? Like <laughs> yeah, you're shoddy hosting. Yeah. Us rambling. Um so the one I like there's a big run that I really love. Um and it's kind of two separate teams, but they're back to back, like they're right on top of each other. Um it starts with Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev's Daredevil. And I don't know if Paul's read this. I think he uh, I, I made I made yeah. you read it. Um yeah. this is like the definitive Daredevil arc to me. Like this is where like all the cool shit that like modern daredevil does that I want to see happen in the show mm-hmm. comes up. And like, this is like Matt gets outed as daredevil. Uh, what else happens in there? He declares himself Kingpin and like all the other street level superheroes, like the heroes for hire guys and Spider-Man all kind of just go like, okay, you're gone. You've gone too fucking far. We're out. Like if you go any further, we're taking you down. It gets to that kind of point. It's a lot of like, and the art's got that super gritty kind of realistic style. I think um, Malib ended up working on, no, sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Because he, this gets followed up directly by Ed Brubacher yeah. and Michael Lark. Michael Lark was working on Gotham Central. That was what mm-hmm. I was thinking about. But like, yeah. this is like, I think the Alex Malib and Bendis run is like 50 plus issues. Like they were on the book for fucking, it felt like years. Like Bendis always has these gigantic runs on things. And like for, and I think it's a great effect. I think it's awesome. I love it. I love the fact that like, I don't always agree with the way he writes. Like, I think sometimes he gets a little too into his own, up his own ass about like, especially his dialogue. dialogue, Like he can be wobbly on the dialogue, but I think story wise, I think he's really solid. And I love that he just sits on books for, ever like i love that yeah yeah about because i don't really like i like the shorter stuff like you do like i like going being able to like jump in and like read 24 issues and like then i'm out again like until the next big story for these characters to me comes along Mm -hmm. but like the fact that like he him and malieve sat on daredevil for like 50 issues plus would be what like four years five years like four or five years assuming they were going into a weird 18 month schedule or an 18 issue schedule like he did on ultimate spider-man and, like that's uh, super interesting. And unlike his Ultimate Spider-Man run, which I actually do like, I'm not shitting on it because like that was 300 pretty solid issues of Spider-Man. <laughs> um, he there was in the Daredevil run, there was no filler. It felt like it was oh, just man. really tightly plotted. It was as like an aspiring writer and as just someone who like doesn't enjoy filler episodes of TV or anything like that very much, uh, unless they're really well done. Um, there's like the daredevil stuff was so 
tight, so well executed, and had so much impact. And I really, really loved that run. Yeah, I remember. There's a ton of stuff in here that's like iconic Daredevil that I would love to see. And some of it they can't do because, like, like I guess you could, at this point, if they're going to be like in a shared universe, I guess the show could do the like take down the Kingpin, I am the Kingpin story, and then have like the Heroes for Hire guys come in and be like, you've gone too fucking far, and then just disclude Spider-Man from that. That would be so great. Well, I feel like the Matt Murdock on the show, too, is that sort of obsessive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I feel like um, this arc, like these two arcs, well, honestly, the the Bendis arc is, it's one big arc with a bunch of mini arcs contained inside it. Like it's a a lot of books, right? Like it's a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. But I feel like these two like back-to-back runs like they, he actually set up the Brubacher run. Like Brubacher, he was like, "Where do you want him when you start?" And Brubacher was like, "Put him in jail," and that's exactly what he did. And it worked perfectly with the story as it was. And like Brubacher picked up from there, and they did the in jail storyline with the Punisher, like where mm-hmm. they keep runs into Punisher in Rikers, and they're in there for like a couple issues anyway, just like dealing with like being in jail and him calling himself the Kingpin and everybody knowing that he was Daredevil and like those guys coming after him and stuff like that. Like it was. It's a really brutal run too. Like amazingly, this was like in a mainline book, but it's yeah. like it's not vicious not Marvel Max or whatever. No, when it, it all, it's almost to that point, like it's almost that level of like violence and stuff like that, like an intensity. Like it's pretty. It, it feels like what the Netflix shows kind of get to, like that really crazy crime drama, like wire level of like yeah violence yeah. and stuff like that. Like, it's that kind of stuff. So, like, once they kind of do that, they've done... Now that they've done the setup of Daredevil on the show, I feel like they should just start, like, just pillage this run for stuff now. And just, like, just steal from it liberally. Mm Because this is where Daredevil is. Like, all the old Frank Miller stuff's good. And it sets up the character nicely. But, like, this is Daredevil to me. Like, this is, like, why I think Daredevil's one of my favorite characters. Is because of these back-to-back runs. And the current run's really good, too. I can't remember... I, I always forget the guy who's fucking writing it, though, so... And it would be... If they adapted this particular run, it would be a nice break from, like, the what has now become the Netflix uh, superhero formula, which has this usually pretty clean ending, like, a lot of closure, and a pretty... Like, a complete arc, which is satisfying, but, like, the setup for the, the subsequent stories isn't always very strong so Mm -hmm. they could have like daredevil multiple seasons in this run and it would still it would be great character work and i think charlie cox would be amazing at it these are like these are this is two like those are back-to-back runs like i just go read them all like just start from where bendis picks up and then actually you can almost go back to daredevil number one because that's where kevin smith that number one i think is the kevin smith number one I think that's where that number run is. And then there's a little bit in between, and then Bendis picks it up and goes for, like, 50 issues. And I think Brubacher does two years, and then it, it kind of tapers off. Uh, the current series that started in 2014 is written by Mark Wade, and it's not as bleak. Like, it's not anywhere near as dark. It's more of the old kind of 60s swashbuckly kind of Daredevil. It's a little bit more fun. But it's still extremely well-written superhero comics. Like, it's a lot of fun. So, I actually think Daredevil might be currently, like, my running right now is probably my favorite superhero book right now. Mm. When I do go back, like, when I get back into, like, reading stuff, I'll go, I go look for Daredevil first to see what Mark Wade's been up to. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Wade's, like, he's always been one of those guys that I, I really like. 
he like I don't always necessarily follow what he's doing, but like his run on Flash was really good too. Yeah, that was him who wrote the Wally West, like the big yeah. run on Wally West, right? Like yeah, the mid mid nineties through the early two thousands, he wrote Flash. I was gonna say he wrote that book for like almost ten years, didn't something he? like that? Yeah, it was a long run. I love that shit though. I love when guys like you get one continuous voice on a character like that. Yeah. Like you're not gonna get that on like. Unfortunately, you're never gonna see that on like Batman or something like that, where you just have like the one guy just go for a million years. Yeah. But it's really nice to see like a character like Daredevil or the Flash or something like that, like that's still in continuity, mm-hmm. um, just go off. So, all right, so let's um like actually maybe keep moving along here. I don't know, if <laughs> you guys. I know Tim probably wrote a list, so um, I'm sure he's got a bunch of stuff that we're not talking about because we're just kind of rambling on as we go here. <laughs> Having a nice conversational podcast this week, I think that was kind of. Yeah. Yeah, what I wanted to get into, but um, Tim, just throw one out there then. Well, here since you guys had or you had one that kind of backed onto each other, I'm going to throw two series that backed onto each other that were both really strong. One, the first being uh, Young Justice. Oh, nice from from '98 to 2003. Um, so that was Peter David was the writer, who again is like um, just a fucking legend of a writer. Yeah. Um, and sadly, right now is on hard times. He owes about like eighty grand to the IRS or something like that. I just really? today he put out like a call. Yeah, I guess what happened was like, you know, as as an like artist or whatever, like you, freelancer, you yeah, exactly, taxes, right? yeah. exactly. And there was a point where he had a TV series that got picked up, and he made a lot of money that year. Yeah. And then he his wife divorced him that year and took half the money, so he couldn't Ooh. pay all of his taxes. And so since then he's just owed a shit ton of back taxes, but yeah, now the IRS is coming for it. Anyway, too bad. And uh, Todd Nock was the artist, and the art on this book in particular was really fucking good. Like it suited the style perfectly. Like uh, Young Justice, the core three was uh, um, Superboy, who's like the uh, clone Superboy. Yeah, Connor uh, Kent, right? Yeah, uh, Tim Drake. Uh, Robin, Robin and, yeah. and, and Impulse. Yeah. Um, and then there were some sort of female characters that came in later on in the series, like uh, the... Uh, Was Wonder Carrie, Girl in there? Yeah, Wonder Girl. Um, and uh, what The Secret, who was... And uh, I think Empress was the other one. Right. Um, I, I only, like, I delved in and out of this book, so it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I knew it was happening, and, like, I knew it was good, but I was like, I'd read a little arc, and then kind of like, oh, that was good, but it never... It was one of those ones that went on for five years, so I was like, I yeah. And it's a DC thing, so I was kind of like, it's a little tertiary for me to be interested in on the DC side. So, <laughs> but really strong series overall, and had some um, just good moments and and uh, and uh, interplay with other characters in the DCU. It was it was very much like these three younger. Um, heroes sort of trying to find their own way kind of thing and sort of trying yeah. to part ways with their mentors uh, and it was it was a it, it was a you know there's a lot of times when uh, you know older writers will write younger characters and it just feel, feels like really fucking weird and stilted but yeah. this was this was un, the exception to that rule kind of thing okay. uh, it worked really well um, the art was pretty kind of stylized like almost um, it's the guy that did the uh, Wolverine run that was kind of cartoony, Ramos. Yeah, Huberto Ramos. Yeah, it's it's kind of that sort of style where it's a little bit sort of cartoony and exaggerated, but because it's yeah. these sort of younger, like adolescent characters, it really kind of worked okay. uh, really well on it. He did. Um, he's done runs on 
he actually did fill-ins on Grant Morrison's new X-Men when, um, I can't remember who the main artist on that. Was it Ethan Van Siver was on that? Was the main artist? Paul, you'd remember better than I would. Mm. No, it also wasn't. Also an epic was, fucking artist. Yeah. Um, who's the main guy on new X-Men? Oh, Frank Whiteley. Duh. Duh. Uh, Frank Whiteley <laughs> was the main artist. So um, everything everything looked like it was a uh, uh, cottage or a uh, like grocery bag full of cottage cheese. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was always funny because those were like everything he designed was the he designed the sexiest possible Emma Frost costume, and was the worst possible artist to draw women. <laughs> like he is a good artist. I mean his his style suits certain stories very well. Like it suited All Star Superman perfectly. It, oh yeah, he was excellent on All Star Superman. He he draws faces in a in a very weird scrunchy mm-hmm. style though. I find and I'm just like I'm not. I don't find it appealing in a lot. Like when he draws humans, like regular humans, I'm like, he, this is not working for me at all. Like, <laughs> but he does a really all. good job on like alien characters. And that yeah, sort when of he thing. does weird stuff, it looks awesome. And like that Superman looks like his Superman is very iconic. Like I love that Superman, yeah. like that yeah. big bulky, like, but not muscular Superman, like very big Superman. Yeah. Does. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, that, that, uh, run, that young justice run is really, really good. And now it, the the Young Justice T uh, animated series that came out definitely drew heavily, if not directly. Well, in a in a lot of ways on the characters from this series, but also a lot of sort of the same themes and just tone of this comic series. So if you like that Young Justice uh, animated series, which I think is getting a third season right now, it is. It just got announced. Yeah, that there. Yeah. Was, when I when I typed in Young Justice to look at that guy's art, I was like. All I could find was TV show shit. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Young Justice comic. Now I can look at his stuff. Like, that works better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, if you like that that TV show, then definitely go back and check out this series. And then that backed on to uh, Jeff Johns' really fucking epic run on Teen Titans, which started yes. in 2003, which featured the same sort of core characters. It was uh, Wonder Girl and uh, and um, that same Superboy and Tim Drake, Batman, or Tim Drake, Robin, and uh, impulse, and also introduced a couple additional characters as well. Is but is Connor Kent still around? No, Connor Kent. They, got kill, they killed him. Yeah, they killed him. Right, like in Final Crisis or whatever. Mm-hmm. I liked the. Those are two impulse. Maybe not so much because I never really overly cared for the Bart character. Like my young Flash is always going to be Wally to me. You know what I mean? Like that upstart kind of Flash. Um, but like, because he follows into that like dick grayson era kind of thing like the nightwing era of characters too but like i like the tim drake connor kent dynamic a lot as a counterpoint to like the batman superman dynamic like the connor kent bruce wayne dynamic there's also there's a a kind of good like love triangle between connor kent and tim drake and uh uh cassie smith or kissy or cassie sans smart cassie yeah the uh, uh the wonder girl of that time who's a really interesting yeah. wonder girl too like very diff- you know sort of departure from the donna troy previously um, the blonde wonder girl if i'm not mistaken right yeah 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 i liked i actually i i read part of this run i uh yeah no i i went on a jeff johns like deep dive at one point where he was like in the middle of his green lantern run i think or maybe he was doing flash I, no it was it would have been green lantern because i would have went back and reread the green lantern but i went right back to his his jsa run is one of my favorite runs that was one of the of ones that was on my list too yeah yeah i love that fucking run and um th- so there's a common thread between those this series and the jsa series so this series brought in some of like the more classic 
older at this point in continuity um but still yeah titans like it brought back like cyborg and starfire um and raven uh sort of interacting with this younger generation of heroes like those ones were originally titans with like dick grayson with dick grayson yeah yeah, and dick grayson and uh uh yeah i guess dick grayson would be the main one and then but now they're you know titans well there was well it actually no because it wouldn't why he would be the main one troy Donna Troy and Wally West, yeah. right? Yeah, and now they're now it's Impulse. It's uh, fuck. What was Impulse's real name? Bart. Bart. It's Bart yeah, Bart it? Allen yeah. and uh, Tim Drake and Connor Kent and uh, and Cassie Sansmark as this new generation of the younger heroes. And yeah. the JSA series really did the same thing. It had like these older legacy characters that yeah. were sort of guiding in some of these younger characters. Like it had some of these older like. Uh, uh, older JSA members, like I think, uh, uh, not Starman, uh, but like um, Wild, well, Wildcat. Wildcat and the original Green Lantern. Yeah. And uh, oh shit, I can never remember the other guy, Jay Garrick. Yeah, and the yeah the the Golden Age yeah the Golden Age Flash or Silver Age Flash, uh, Gold, Golden Age Flash. Yeah, interacting with like some of these younger generations, like a new younger um, Johnny Thunder, the yeah. the Star Girl. Uh, new Hour Man. New Hour Man, I think, is in there too. Like he's a newer Yeah. Is it a newer Hour Man? Yeah, uh, like, well yeah, it started out being the the robot Hour Man, I think, from the right. from the DC That's one million right. storyline. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that was both of those are really cool, and that's one of the things that I always like about DC is that that legacy that they have, where they've got these older characters that have been around for sixty or seventy years. In many cases, they're like you know mystically have their lives extended or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they they you know sort of have this generational thing that goes on that happened has started to happen maybe in like the last ten years or something like that with Marvel more, um, yeah. but not as much not to the same extent. No, Marvel Marvel tends to keep their like they because they, they 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 do the floating timeline a lot more mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like they keep their characters like it's always those characters like it's always it's Simps- until Simpsons recently. Style. Anyway, yeah, kind of <laughs> ostensibly like it it and like. There's problems with both of them, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's issues where that kind of becomes, like, an issue with both of them, where either you have to make your elder senior characters, like, yeah. from World War II. Like, there's nobody left from World War II who fought <laughs> in World War II anymore, right? Not but, like, those JSA characters are still kicking around. So, like, that's problematic. Whereas, at the same time, it's like, you have to continuously adjust origin stories in the Marvel, like in the six one six on the Marvel universe, yeah. where like Tony Stark, like is now the Iron Man from like the Afghanistan scenario from the movie, like that's kind of his in like in comic book origin too. But yeah. it was Vietnam, right? Like it, it has to like so you're always making that adjustment. It's best to just kind of and hence my kind of like just take the broad strokes kind of thing and apply it because otherwise, if you get into the details of all this stuff, like you get yeah. way too into yeah. the weeds then you start going crazy yeah. like how is how is magneto still alive <laughs> like it makes no sense that he's a world war 2 survivor well, it's like the mag- magnetism deages you know slows his exactly. aging process because yeah. he's a mutant right yeah, exactly like, there you go. and marvel is starting yeah. obviously starting to get away with that with the like the new uh uh iron man the new uh well, new Cap, new Iron Man, new, new Thor, like female Thor, yeah. new Hulk, like all that stuff has been, and like, and there's there's a, a number of like Wolverine actually is now a legacy yeah. character because it's Laura yeah. in continuity yeah. right now, and Old Man Logan's yeah. there, so like they have started yeah. to do it, but they never it's because they 
they haven't gotten to the point where like where DC right. is now, where you're into the fourth generation right. of yeah. like. And th- but expect that to happen more now that the MCU is so popular. Like they're never like they're never gonna yeah. like Robert Downey Jr. is gonna get old and die. So they're but they they're gonna want to keep Iron Man. So they've got re- they'll re- have Riri yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Or they'll recast. Eventually, they'll just James Bond all this shit yeah. and recast yeah, everything. Right? You know what I mean? Well, they've like, already done that like eight times with Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, or, exactly. or the Hulk. Well, Bat or Batman. Like, look how many Batmans have there been? Yeah. Did you see that thing? There was something today about um, Val Kilmer got into a Twitter argument with a fake Michael Keaton account. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is possibly the most Val Kilmer thing to have ever happened. Yeah. So, but like the end result of it was like he wanted his pitch was like who's the better batman and i'm like well okay there's no argument here keaton was better than you i'm yeah. sorry like you're awesome in kiss kiss bag bag but like kilmer was good and could have been better if he'd had better writing had a script yeah. absolutely but, but like, keaton was for like, really good keaton was yeah. awesome yeah. but he's like why don't we just come back all four of us come back so like the two of them and clooney <laughs> and bale and get the shit killed out of them by affleck right? like <laughs> Because yeah. Affleck's Batman just kills people, so yeah. you may as well just have all four of them get yeah. killed. I did see a good, there was a funnier die video that came out this week that was like, Batman doesn't kill people, quote unquote, kind of thing. And it was like him like throwing batarangs into dudes' faces and whatever. And the dudes being like, no, you definitely killed those guys. Like, no, they're just sleeping. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fine. Sleeping. Yeah. You don't you don't know. I'm Batman. I don't kill people. It's like, no, that dude's yeah. definitely dead. <laughs> <He's> dead. <laughs> That's you with your car. Yeah, or, yeah. If you play the Arkham Knight, when you get around to finally playing the Arkham games, <laughs> some of the stuff you can do to people in Arkham Knight especially is like there's no fucking way that person like, is ever going to like survive you know, like shattered any spines and shit like that. Yeah, just like you hit them with the car. So like it, to get away with hitting them with the car, it has an electroshock kind of field around it that just like repulses people. But even then you send them flying at a velocity that is like bone shattering, right? Yeah. So this guy goes flying into a wall that's three feet away at like say a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And that's being, you know I- what I mean? He's going to be fucking paced on the yeah. inside. Like he might just fall and it looks, he looks like he's okay, but his skeletal structure is now has the like equivalent consistency of like a, my my Kool Aid that I'm drinking like it's craziness but anyway yeah. chunky salsa <laughs> on the inside <laughs> I can just imagine yeah. like the so. in game Batman just kind of like looking like kind of worried out his window for a second and, and it's Kevin shirt. Conroy Batman too right so he's just kind of like Aww. he's all dignified and shit too yeah. so like you you want to like him yeah. but anyway before um, before we move away from that JSA series I also want to call out the art on that series was really amazing and that was uh, Amanda Conroy and Jimmy Palmiotti, who are an, a really yes. fucking epic art team. Yes. Also, uh, if they don't steal liberally from that when they do the Black Adam Shazam movie, mm-hmm. I will be furious. Yeah, the ISIS stuff would be so good. And Kandak. Yeah, that should ostensibly be their first movie. Yeah. When they do the Captain Marvel stuff, that should be it. Yeah. Because I want to see The Rock play that fucking level of that badass black adam yeah, yeah but, black adam yeah. he's so fucking awesome in that run like they john's nailed that character on that run yeah. and i'm like that's the guy like when, when they announced the rock i was like that's the, the character i've been waiting to see the rock play mm-hmm. since he left the wwe <laughs> and stopped being asshole uh like heel rock like <laughs> the rock kind of thing yeah so I've been waiting for that forever. So like, if he gets to play that character and it's just like a complete like arrogant shitbag the entire movie, I'm like, take all my fucking money. Yeah. Like, I'll go see it six times. Yeah. 
No, that I'll make sure that that movie is the most fucking profitable DCU movie by myself. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. All right, we've been uh, we've been at this for like we should probably start like getting getting through some stuff. So, do you have anything else you guys want to like talk about? Like, Paul, do you have another run you want to talk about? I to talk about the Gail Simone Birds of Prey run because this is probably the most strictly DC superhero street level thing that I followed for like while it was actually issue to issue um, because I fell in love with the character dynamic and the writing. Um, so originally, uh, Birds of Prey was uh, conceived of by Chuck Dixon. Um, and yeah. Well, Chuck Dixon was like very much an architect in that corner of the um, like DCU, especially like he had a lot of sway over what happened in maybe not the back books proper, but a lot of the ancillary back books. Like he wrote Robin for like how long did he write Robin? Sam like seventy five issues plus. Like who's this? Uh, Chuck Dixon. Oh yeah, he was like the Robin uh, writer. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. a long ass time. Yes. Yeah. Him and uh, who who drew that? It was Kyle Grummet, I think, uh, moved over from Adventures to take over that book for a long time. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the first first run on uh, Birds of Prey with the Chuck Dixon era was pretty good. Like, I I really enjoyed it, but it was when Gail Simone took the reins that it really became something special. Um, She had an understanding of... Like, just because these characters are women doesn't mean that they're not, like, professional superheroes. And the way that they interacted with each other seemed a a lot more genuine, um, but still had a really strong emotional core with uh, especially the Dinah-Babs friendship um, developing over an earpiece radio because, you know, Oracle was, like, basically barking orders at Black Canary to uh, get her to do her her spy stuff, international woman of mystery thing. And yeah. uh, when Gail Simone took over, she also added Huntress to the lineup, um, which created yes. a really awesome like trio of badass ladies. Um, and also like a rotating cast of extras. Um, and this is what solidified um, Oracle, Barbara Gordon as like not just one of like the best characters in the DC universe, in my opinion, but also a character who uh, has a disability and still manages to overcome that by being a genius uh, as well. So it was a very, it was also, go ahead. Sorry. It also allowed her to be the, the other Batman centric character, like to, to walk away from the bat line and not be completely reliant on Bruce for everything yeah, yeah. It, like her and her and dick were able to both kind of like walk away and like he went to go be nightwing and like she went to go be oracle and they still i mean obviously it all still ties in together because it's comic books right like there are lots of just bring these characters and move them around and nightwing's gonna come to gotham and deal with this stuff and like they date during that run right like oracle yeah. like babs and dick mm-hmm. date during yeah. that run and like they obviously like Batman's going to go for her, to her for information and then like Dick's going to be around to help Bruce out and stuff like that. Like that still happens, but the, it let those two characters in that era kind of like get out from under Bruce's very long shadow. Right? And, yeah. and they had some really great runs uh, and storylines within uh, this run um, that when Black Canary and Oracle finally meet in person, it, there's, it's a long time into Gail Simone's run of the, or 
Dixon's Road, where they finally do get to meet, and then once they do, yeah. um, it really solidifies their friendship, um, and then... I was gonna say, what do you call what do you call a bromance when it's two women? That's what they seem. That's kind of what they have now. Like they're just like scissor, scissor sisters. <laughs> scissor sisters. I don't know. I don't think Babs can scissor. Her legs don't work at that point properly. Right. Yeah, so. and a lot of people like uh, ship those two like as a romantic couple, but they're um, mm-hmm. and but that wasn't what was made them special. It was always just their friendship. I've always. I always I always shipped Babs with Dick. I like I love yeah. the Batgirl Nightwing yeah. thing for some reason. So right so. now, uh Barbara Gordon is dating the penguin's son. Uh, oh, because they've de aged her, right? Like she's really young. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, but it, there's she still has she still has interactions with uh with um Dick though. Who's the penguins like who's the mother uh i don't think they've actually mentioned that yet it's still mm-hmm. a mystery mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know but yeah this is a real just a yeah, like who had sex with oswald cobblepot yeah. well it's probably somebody that he paid i was gonna say it would have to be paid <laughs> right um, yeah. So this this run it's just a really fun book it's really action packed I like that yeah. book a lot. It actually. really lightened up that that sort of side of that Batman side of the DCU for sure. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's it's actually in well, it's it's in really uh, high demand as well. Like those issues fetch a pretty fucking penny. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a super low run book, yeah. right? Like it wasn't a it wasn't a priority book. It was it probably got printed at half the rate that even Nightwing would get printed at at the time, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. and it was like it was popular critically. But it was never like a popular, like it was a female led book in like the early 2000s when, like, late, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Paul and I were reading it, right? Like, that was probably about it. I think Paul had me pick up issues of that. Like, he got at that to my poll. Yeah. And a lot of, but I think I had. And now it's become considered sort of seminal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This is how you write like a team book uh, in a way that feels. I don't know, a little bit more organic. It's not just like sticking random people together. Like they have a reason to work together and the way that nice small team too. Right. And like, it's not, and it's not like a, they're not, they're not like a crazy superpower team. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like an Avengers or like a justice league where it's very ground level Superman. Yeah. It's so ground level. So it is, it feels, it reminded me a little bit of like the way Bendis in his run treats the heroes for hire and Mm Spider-Man like, revolving around daredevil it's like these kind of ground level guys that aren't like crazy godlike powerful just dealing with street level crime yeah and maybe some more like organized kind of stuff and getting together but this was like a book that was just like about these characters doing that all the time yeah. it was really it was a lot of fun yeah there is and there is a uh batgirl and the birds of prey book in the rebirth universe right now that's only maybe five or six issues old mm. so. i might have to check that out but <laughs> i don't know uh, I'm still, I'm still torn. I still, I, I, I still have like uh, a weird anger spot at DC for a eliminating Stephanie Brown the way they did, mm-hmm. and b kind of like making Oracle Batgirl again. I understand that, like it makes more sense financially to have that iconic version of the character out there, but I was like, I was really growing to like the Stephanie Brown Batgirl, yeah. And they just fucking cut the legs out from under it, and I was like, God damn it, you well, always do. They at least brought her back as spoiler now, though, and she's had oh, she she's back. had some really good storylines of spoiler in the rebirth stuff. 
Oh, that's good. Oh, good. Okay, that's good. I like I like that character a lot. So yeah. I was like like I liked her little like her little stint as Robin until she fucked up. Like that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was in Hush, wasn't it? That No. No, 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 no. She was that was much later. It was uh, in No Man's I can't remember the name of the story. I, I don't anyway. remember. She was she was around in No Man's Land as spoiler though, not yeah. as not as Robin. It's mu- it's a little bit later. The end of that story arc is where she's Robin and she puts one of Batman's plans into effect, but like Batman's plans like to take down the mob or something like that. It's where she ends up dying at the hands of Leslie Tompkins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um she ends up dying as a result of like she takes one of Batman's plans to take down the mob, puts it into effect, and then doesn't realize that the linchpin to all these plans is that eventually Batman shows up, yeah, and is Batman. <laughs> you know what I mean? So is therefore him. unkillable. Yeah, <laughs> and then without him being Batman, the plan doesn't work because he's, he's Batman. Batman, right? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> and she dies. She kind of dies as a result. Well, they killed her, and then like. Really quickly retconned it afterwards, like brought her back. People and it was got like, it was really a, angry. Yeah, well, they they kind of like women in refrigerator, or like yeah. she just died for no reason, and I was like, ah, oh, for fuck. <laughs> so that Bruce could learn a lesson about like his plots or some shit like that. You right. know what I mean? And like we've ref- they, we've referenced like, women in refrigerators a couple of times, and I feel like that's one reference we need to give for anybody that might be listening to this that is not. That's true. A comic yeah, book yeah, But let oh, well, let. Paul will Paul will explain it. Paul uh, loves this like feminist. Yeah, shit. <laughs> because oddly enough, this is a, a term that was popularized by Gail Simone, who uh, yeah. was the original uh, like researcher for this concept. Where um, the 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 term itself comes from uh, the. A Green Lantern run. Kyle, Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner. Yeah, it was a Kyle Rayner. Yeah, Green where it, uh, his girlfriend literally gets cut up and put inside of a refrigerator by major uh, force. But yeah, yep. just I read that book too. Actually, yep, I have that book. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you have it. It's probably behind you. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it just so they can advance the plot of the main male protagonist, as opposed yeah. to you know anything uh, involving the the girlfriend, like this woman yeah. who gets. It was put in Alex? Her I think her name was. Yeah. yeah, it was Alex. Yeah. And they this is a really common trope because there it's a lot of uh, like comic books. Uh, the industry is very typically male centric, and it's um, the the female side characters don't often get a lot of uh, uh, get a lot of love or get a lot of character backstory, which is why it, um, it frustrates me when people say, "Well, I really don't like this character; she doesn't add anything." It's like, well, that's because the writers never give them anything to work with. So yeah. it. It, like I I I think that Mark and I g- get on this a lot. It's like where I I enjoy seeing a particular female character just because there's representation there. And he's like, well, she's kind of annoying, or like, and I'm like, well, it's because there's a lot of white dudes writing her, and it's just like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. is the writing's bad? Yeah, yeah. and it's um, but then I get I get pissy about stuff too, like where people will bitch about like the way Mary Jane treats like spite like Peter Parker, like yeah. Parker, and like, and I'm like, like they're married, like yeah. she's actually has a character like or she's not just gonna and she also has like they they've characterized her to the point where like she actually has a life and stuff like that and people are like her plots are boring and i'm like they're giving her stuff to do so that she's not just hanging around getting kidnapped yeah shut up like yeah yeah, anyway and one of the uh, one of my favorite uh arcs on uh gil simone's run of birds of prey actually involves lois lane one of the most classic damsels in distress where they give Lois Lane her due as an investigative journalist. She discovers 
Oracle's identity, um, yeah. which is uh, th- Oracle thought would be impossible. Like, but they knew that if Lois Lane was on the story, that some uh, sh- she would have been found. She's going to find it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that's. I don't, so, I've, to be I've, fair. I've, They'd been giving uh, Lois Lane her due in the Superman books for about 15 years already at that point. Like, basically, since John Byrne's Man of Steel. I was going to say, since since Crisis, yeah. Lois Lane, I think, is probably, like, arguably one of the strongest female characters yeah. in comics. Yeah. Like, most of... Like, I'm sure some writers fall into a trap of, like having her be that like damsel in distress not stuff. very often anymore. but like i don't i don't i don't i don't remember ever seeing it when i was reading superman she was always like right in the middle of everything but definitely just, like, in the silver and bronze age stuff they, they oh yeah absolutely that's, that's all she yeah. was there for and the, absolutely and what i think i thought i saw something in one of the recent dc retcons about like lois lane not really um acting like Lois or uh, was well a lot of people got up in arms when new 52 happened because she wasn't even like remotely in the romantic orbit of Superman or Clark Kent mm. like that became like a big thing Which like she had a completely separate life yeah yeah which I thought was awesome mm. like I was like that's fucking great yeah, like yeah. I would I preferred the fact that like at first like okay eventually you're gonna get to the point where yeah you're gonna have Lois and Clark get together because that's just the way the story goes right <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, let it go for five years. Let mm. Superman and Wonder Woman bone. Yeah. Like, just go nuts. Like, <laughs> yeah. do that. Because that makes sense, right? If he's not, like, super tied to his Clark Kent identity, yeah. Yeah. and he sees this smoking hot Amazon that can keep up with him, like, power-wise in the bedroom, <laughs> who's not going to go for it? <laughs> They're it, gods. It made go for some compelling stories, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, yeah. Whatever. But, uh... The very a large lack of women in refrigerators in uh, Birds of Prey for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, it, and brought in a, like a lot of B list and C list, um, even male characters. But like Judo Master was one of the Birds of Prey for a while. But like, um, I, wasn't Ted? What Ted Cord, Ted Cord was too? Wasn't he kind of like ancillarily like yeah, attached they, to them too? Because they, date, I think Ted Cord dated. Babs for David Babs, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, they even brought in uh, Cassandra Cain. Uh, That's right. She had a huge when she, when she got his fucking uh, headshot off by yeah. Max Lord. She had. A, like, I remember them doing a reaction with her. Like yeah. there was a scene where she found out he was dying, and she took it really hard because yeah. she really liked him. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And wasn't so there, a lot of- a, there was a. Uh, didn't Manhunter end up the female Manhunter end up as yeah. part of that team at some point? Which is a oh, fucking yeah. great character as well. That's another yeah. really good run. Mark yeah. Andreco's Manhunter. It just a like every female uh, DC character who is kind of like B list or C list like gets dragged in, or even A list uh, like Catwoman. They bring Wonder there. Woman in. Catwoman yeah. and Wonder Woman both show up yeah. uh, a fair bit yeah. in those runs. Yeah. In that run too. If there I'm was mistaken. A- that was a good run. Yeah. So and in a great Satana, I think as well. See, this is why yeah. I really hate the fact that DC doesn't have a Marvel Unlimited style service. Yeah. Because that's the kind of run I would love to go be able to go back and like reread without having to like go through torrents and like seek it out. Like I wouldn't mind giving DC my money to like get a run of this and like not have to buy ninety trades because that fucking run went on forever. Well, if I'm not mistaken. Like you could buy the individual like issues on Comicsology or something. Yeah, but even then, it's still ninety nine cents an issue. Yeah, and it's a hundred twenty something issue series or something. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah, so. Nuts to that, McGillicuddy. Um, all right, we could uh, obviously we could go all night, but we're at the I think total two hour mark now, so we should probably like call this one a night, and we'll have to get back on this. And like, obviously, Tim had a long list of stuff. I've got enough that I could do another episode or two for sure. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to do that. It'll be uh, maybe we'll do a bonus episode where we do that again at this point too. Like if we can keep doing little bonuses wherever we can drag Paul along and like <laughs> because we don't get to do this like hardcore comic book like chat kind of stuff with Christy because she just like tunes out and is gone. Right. Like if we lose if we lose Christy's attention, like. That's she's when it's she's just back like, to playing games on her phone or something. Yeah, exactly. She's <laughs> texting or whatever. So, well, yeah, we I, uh, more Saturday mornings for me. Just talking shit about comics. I'm more than happy to. I, <laughs> awesome. It's like watching cartoons again. It's like nostalgic. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna call this at the two hour mark, approximately. Anyway, to see how this edits together. But anyway. Um, but thanks for listening, everybody. If you got two hours into this, like, rambling comic book nerd fest, like, we really appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard, go give us a like on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. I promise I'm going to start posting more on that Twitter account. I will get back to doing that <laughs> more often. Um, obviously, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. So Google Play Store, iTunes, or Stitcher. We're pretty active on Facebook. We are pretty active on Facebook. Our Facebook group uh, is not, I'm not going to say like the most hopping group, but like when we get in there, we start chatting. Those fucking, those threads go long sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. they get, pr- and they get pretty heated occasionally too. So that's pretty, it's a good time on the Facebook group. So join up there for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a lot of fun. Again, having Paul on the show because it's like, an extra level of nerdy on top of that. So it's good times. <laughs> so for Dance Robot Dance this week, uh, I'm Mark. Say goodnight, Tim. Good night, Tim. And say goodnight, Paul from Korea. Good morning from Korea. Yeah. Um, good morning. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're both in like, we're both in uh, center of the universe time. So <laughs> forgive us. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll be back next week and with Christy, who's hopefully having an awesome show right now. So when if you, she, she does listen to the show, I don't even know if she actually listens to the podcast. She won't tell anybody <laughs> about the podcast or listen to the podcast. So I don't know how that works. But if she does hear this, I hope you had a great show, Christy. Yeah. <laughs>